You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 552. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 12th of January, 2023. Yeah, he's the FAA grounds all flights for several hours because a software glitch shut down the NOTAM system. Passengers crouches, gunfire strikes an Aeromexico plane during takeoff. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. Flight 552 is ready to push back. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me from her lakeside studio in South She's a doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, sprint training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. I feel like it's been a while. It's good it to has see everyone. Been. I oh. think the same thing when I was saying that. <laughs> I thought, wow, it's been a while. You haven't had to blurt out that mouthful in a no. while, so you're welcome. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> glad to have you with us, Steph, at the beginning good of the show. Good to be here. Awesome. All right. And uh, also with us from his studio in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Uh, good evening uh, from the United Kingdom, Jeffrey, and uh, the rest of the crew. What a lovely evening we're having. Let's speak for yourself. And also joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, old airplane enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry. It's Nick Nixie Camacho. Hey, guys. Uh, glad to be back. It feels like it's been a while for me, too. I'm not sure if it actually has or not, but it kind of feels like it. Yeah, you're kind of off and on, you know, but it hasn't been too, too long. Anyway, and uh, finally, last but not least, from our studio in Toronto, uh, retired financier and aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. This is so great. Now we just have to find that Rick guy. Who? Where the heck? Who? <laughs> yeah, Rick, Rick guy. I think he's lost. Yeah. Has anybody, anyway. has anybody seen Rick? No. Something no. about he should have taken a right at Albuquerque. Uh, yeah. Or a left. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. 
He's never anyway, been good can, with directions or no, no, or time zones. <laughs> <laughs> I can breathe easy now that Steph is here to look after you three uh-huh. reprobate. So oh. have a good show. Wow. I didn't know I was oh. going to be put in charge of so much responsibility so quickly again. Yes, you are. Stand by for news. Okay. We had to start off with this. Radio Roger teased it in our intro. Uh, Yesterday, actually the day before yesterday in the evening, uh, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, suffered a computer outage uh, that forced it to halt departures nationwide while it scrambled to resolve the issue. Uh, The FAA said that uh, crippling delays that affected thousands of flights appear to have been caused, appears to have been caused by a problem in the notice to airmen system or NOTAM. I know it's, I'm not being up to date with that, uh, which sends pilots vital information they need to fly. A corrupted file, supposedly, affected both the primary and backup systems. Hmm. Same file. Affected both primary and backup systems. Okay. A senior government official said Wednesday evening, adding that officials continue to investigate. The uh, Here's the quote. The uh, FAA is continuing a thorough review to ter- determine the root cause of the notice to air missions system outage, the agency said in the statement. <laughs> Our preliminary work has traced the outage to a damaged database file. At this time, there is no evidence of a cyber attack. Anyway, so um, that, as I mentioned, Tuesday night, about 8.30 Eastern is when the system supposedly went down. And then uh, Wednesday morning, they decided to do a nationwide ground stop. Uh, I think it's a little, that's a little bit of an overreaction, in my opinion. And uh, they got things going about 9 o'clock, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time. And... Uh, you might ask, Jeff, were you caught up in this fiasco? I was, I was going to say, is your, is we your feelings gonna... about this situation <laughs> colored by anything? Personal experience so, with this issue? Well, I mean, even if I weren't caught up in this, I'd still have very strong feelings about this whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, I was on a trip. I was in Omaha. And uh, before we picked up at the hotel at 6 o'clock in the morning, it was actually kind of a late pickup for me. Um, some of the flight attendants were, you know, like in their phones and they're, you know, tapping into people that are, you know, saying something about ground stops and FAA and NOTAM and, and the, what, what's going on here. And we're, you know, Brent and I are looking at each other like, have you seen anything on your app that says we're delayed or canceled or anything? And he said, no. And, uh, it sounded like, uh, American airlines was the one that was being mostly affected. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just some kind of an integration with the FAA NOTAM system and their airline, because airlines have a way to kind of funnel this information from the FAA database and into their own systems. And by the way, I guess we should mention uh, that uh, the NOTAM system is basically a system, a database of information. Now, I've heard, I've been learning all kinds of interesting things on uh, local or not local, but uh, national uh, mainstream media new co- news coverage here in the U.S. Apparently, this is like a Correct system that or, or no, 
No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, talking about, you know, warns us of weather hazards and uh, while we're en route, you know, got to have it, be connected constantly. And uh, let's see, what are what's some other things? Uh, mentioned cranes. Um, it's probably, probably directly responsible for the actual control of aircraft. I think so. I mean, without that input, not planes cannot fly. <laughs> That's why yeah, they grounded the, the NAS because, you know, it's dangerous. No, I personally think the reason why they grounded everybody was because of lawyers. Um, no, I, and I think you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Jeff. Oh yeah, They're I mean, if you're terrified of litigation, if you're tooling around out there, you know, seven miles from the airport, and you hit an unlit tower that's four hundred and twenty <laughs> feet tall, then um, the lawyer, you're, you're definitely have to deal with some lawyers because well, you didn't see that notam. Yeah, and yeah. I would be really worried about your sanity if you were seven miles from touchdown at four hundred and twenty six <laughs> feet. That's yes. why I. Yes, made those numbers exactly. I know. We had fun with that. Thank you for, for showing us that note. You know, um, you're welcome. I, I'd have had a, a lot more sympathy with them if NOTAM was in the most fantastic, uh, multicolored, uh, interactive uh, format. You know, you could imagine making it really simple to uh, look at, to read, to filter, and to get the irrelevant information. But NOTAMs are written in about the most basic text you could possibly imagine it's pre-ASCII. Uh, it, it is all capitals, uh, and that's all it is, just text. There's nothing fancy at all. So I'm just wondering how the devil you end up with a corrupt file that can bring down your primary and your backup uh, distribution system, computer system. I think the files were just, just old. They just terrifies refused me. to if work you're, If you're anymore. watching the video, you're seeing... Uh, the NOTAMs for the flight that I actually flew um, yesterday morning. And guess what? These NOTAMs were there in my flight plan before I even left the hotel. And suppose you close taxiways or taxiway things. Look at this. Look at this. We just keep scrolling and scrolling. And, sc- and this is a domestic flight on a small airplane on a relatively short flight segment, like one hour and 50 minutes or something ridiculous. Uh, and can you imagine uh, NOTAMs for long-haul flights, what uh, Captain Nick and and uh, Miami Rick have to go through? To uh, you, As uh, Nick mentioned here, look at this. It's all capitals. It's uh, a lot of abbreviations that uh, a lot of times we just kind of look at and go, do you know what that means? No. Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> and some um, countries make them up as they go along, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the fun of it, I think, for them. Hey, I'm yeah. going to use this uh, acronym, and uh, we'll see. You know what kind of response we get from these people. Yep. Now, I I do have to uh, ask um, the uh, former chairman uh, Robert Sumalt. Uh, he's mm. here, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, oh. with Hillel. Oh, is he hey, with Hillel? I, I'm very interested yeah. in his opinion on <laughs> yeah. no tabs. Hey, I- Mr. Chairman uh, Sumalt, uh, what do you think about no tabs? That's what no tabs are. They're just a bunch of garbage that nobody pays any attention to. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Longtime okay. chairman of the uh, National Transportation Safety Board. That was uh, a recording of the uh, hearing of the Air Canada Flight 781 that uh, was coming into San Francisco very late and uh, almost landed on a taxiway uh, because of a, clo- a runway closure that uh, was listed in this long multi-page 
document or pages of notams that, and they didn't pick that up. Well, it wasn't written in Canadianese. It wasn't written think- in Canadian, Liz says. Ah, okay. Ah, I didn't consider well. that. Hey, the runway's closed, eh? Hoser. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, they would have seen that, I think. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, we got to the, aer- the airport, and then all of a sudden it started becoming clear that at, well, at first we walked up to the gate, and I asked the gate agents. I said, uh, "Is is there anything going on that's going to affect our on time departure?" And they just looked at me like I, they didn't know what I was talking about. And she said, "No, I don't think so." And I went, "All right, let's go down there, get the airplane ready to go, and uh, we can start boarding." And then um, we looked at the uh, message on our A car screen from my dispatcher that said, uh, "Ground stop nationwide." update time and like about two hours from that point and i went okay that's not good but uh we (laughs) managed to get it uh going before most of the other flights in omaha uh because uh they decided to start allowing um flights into uh atlanta and newark for some reason those two airports they decided to start allowing flight operations and uh i guess they started doing it you know airport to airport basis so we were able to get uh the airplane pushed back from the gate and on the way to atlanta and one of the nice things is that uh because there were very few flights operating at the time uh we it was very quiet on the frequency it was very relaxing did you get nice direct routing? We you? did. We <laughs> we almost immediately when we start, started talking with uh, Center, they said, clear direct uh, newbie, which is one of the fixes on our um, RNAV arrival in Atlanta. And we never get that. So uh, we just went, okay. What about getting a gate? Was there trouble getting a gate? Uh, okay. There? So I, I noticed, I don't know if you can hear the thunder, but it's uh, really thundering behind me um, or outside, I guess. Um the uh i was monitoring some other communication from some other folk some other acme folk uh, and they said that they had diverted to louisville and a couple other diversion places and i'm thinking what so obviously they were airborne before the ground stop that was one of the early 5 6 o'clock departure uh departures that we have and uh i and i thought well, why and they said well because all those flights in Atlanta that um, have been affected by this ground stop are occupying gates. Guess what? Mm-hmm. There's no gate available. Now, sure. this is the first time that I can recall that Acme has done this. Um, usually what happens is we land and then we find a place. And, you know, the Atlanta airport's a huge place and there's usually a, a spot to put us. Yeah, you uh, could, you could uh, just uh, stop using a runway and park all the airplanes on a runway. They've done that before. Uh, usually the south runway and the taxi waves that are going out to it are just lined up with the uh, airplanes yeah, and, and that sort of thing. Pass everyone to the terminal. Exactly. But, or no, no, they wouldn't do that, Nick. They, they'd keep everybody <laughs> on the airplane for hours until <laughs> the gate for becomes For two hours available. and 58 minutes. Uh, and yes. then we will. No. So anyway, uh, they decided to, uh, I guess, divert people to uh, different airports but luckily i guess they finally had released the uh, ground stop and by the time and i we kept checking all the way from omaha to atlanta just kept checking to make sure our gate was going to be available it changed a few well, times that was your go home but uh, leg, that was our right? go home leg yes and uh, we uh, we got a gate and we were, so we pushed back about 40 something minutes 45 minutes late or almost 50 minutes late 
and we arrived in Atlanta at our gate about a, a 28 minutes late. That's so fantastic. I think we did a pretty good job of getting the folks to uh, ATL pretty darn quickly based now, you know, cause then I, I got, I was on the radio. I mean, I was driving home and I heard on the radio and then here at the apartment and watching on TV, how like all these, you know, thousands and thousands of flights were uh, delayed or canceled. I'm thinking, Hmm, I guess we kind of really lucked out. Got off lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And your yeah. passengers were so grateful. They had a whip round and bought you a big steak dinner. No. No, they did no. not. <laughs> yeah. They did not. So they're hey, probably still panicking about their connection time, even though none of the other flights were probably going. Anywhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody really seemed to, they seemed relatively okay with the whole thing. They didn't seem too upset. And I'm sure that's what they found stuff. They probably got to their next gate and, you know, had to wait a while before, yeah. you know, their next flight departed or started boarding. Um, so again, so you kind of detected maybe, uh, dear listeners, uh, a, a, a little taste or um, a little wee bit of uh, sarcasm from me regarding how you how don't. safety, how you know how hazardous it would have been to operate with this NOTAM system down. It's just not, it's just not that big of a deal. But again, as we mentioned, um, litigation, the threat of that. If something had go had gone wrong, I guarantee the FAA would have had to, you know, spend time with lawyers defending their actions and everything else. So they probably just decided, yeah, we're just going to shut everything down. Um, so now I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but um, Canada, NAV Canada yeah. says it doesn't believe disruption is related to the U.S. system outage. Now, remember, we just said that the FAA uh, blamed this on a, um, what corrupted do they call it? File. A corrupted file. In their database, their database. Well, here's the article from uh, C, uh, CBC News. The computer system that alerts airlines and pilots flying in Canadian airspace to potential hazards experienced a brief disruption on Wednesday. The system, called the Notice to Air Missions System, is operated by NAV Canada, a private nonprofit that owns and operates Canada's air traffic control system. Uh, they began experiencing problems with the NOTAM's entry system on Wednesday morning that left it unable to send new updates to airlines. No flights were delayed as a result, said NAV Canada, and the system came back online in the early afternoon. We continue to monitor our systems and investigate the cause. Uh, late Wednesday evening, NAV Canada said it believed the issue was caused by a computer hardware failure. The agency ruled out the possibility that it was caused by a cyber attack. So I don't know. Coincidence? The same? Yeah, we're always sort of copying thing. you guys. I yeah, it does sound very similar, doesn't it? I think there's something deeper going on here. Do you think there's a, a NOTAM, like a North American NOTAM uh, conspiracy? Might be. I don't know. Mm. I, I just, I, 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 what are the there. chances <laughs> that two major aviation system notum system yeah, they didn't mention anything about them being tied together in some way they're um, not they're apparently. not apparently nope. not so anyway i just thought that was interesting uh, anyway hopefully we'll find out more think of all the birds that were put at risk because the airlines no longer yeah, knew that oh. there were the birds possibility existed the that there were birds in the air near the i know airport. <laughs> Now you should also we we should also mention that that's a good point because he's talking about automatic terminal information service or ATIS where you listen to or get the digital data on your uh, ACARS 
device in your airplane, or you listen to the frequency and you listen to the recording. And if there are any significant things that affect safety or has or hazards, uh, they they talk about it there. So it wasn't like you know just because you don't have it written down on a piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean that you're just hanging it out there and you're you know being dangerous and hazardous out there. I mean, if there's a runway closure or a an instrument landing system glide slope out of service or uh, instrument landing system completely down or whatever, runway closures, taxiway closures, they're going to say that on the uh, ATIS uh, broadcast. And so, yeah, that's why I kind of thought, ah, this is a little bit of an overreaction, a reaction, I believe. So anyway. Well, you got back home. That's good. I got home safely, ended the trip. And I'll tell you more about the trip once we do the uh, getting to know us. If we ever get there, that was just our f- yeah. first news item. So well, I guess I we better get going on yeah. the next item, unless anybody has anything to add about nope. the uh, the great NOTAM crisis of 2023. Okay. No. Um, next one is this. I'm going to play a, a, a video. Um, and here we go. Hello, here we go. Están carraqueando el avión de la de la fuerza aérea que acaba de llegar. Stop, can you translate? No. No. Okay. So, that's a motor. Uh, let's see. After they ca- uh, captured the uh, son of El Chapo, Guzman, uh, there are protests and attacks in this uh, Mexican city. Here's a police uh, or military uh, airplane that they're shooting at. The cartels are. Passengers appear to duck down inside another airplane. Um, Aeromexico flight. Passengers' jet was hit by a bullet in its fuselage. Uh, there were no injuries, the airline Aeromexico said. Footage shared by local news reporters show to uh, appears to show a disturbance inside a terminal. Yeah, people hiding behind. Things. All major roads into the city were blocked with burning vehicles. Kaluakan um, is the capital city of Sonora. Kaluakan. Thank you, uh, Steph. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, a little unrest going on there. Uh, one of the we told major. We to stop shooting at planes. Yeah, you know, you're right, Liz. Um, are, apparently, they weren't paying attention to the title of our last episode. Right, Stop right. shooting at the planes. <laughs> the planes. Um, yeah. yeah. So the drug cartels in Mexico are um, kind of a big deal. They basically run pretty much everything. And uh, one of the big drug lords uh, has been in prison for a while. And they just, uh, when all this happened or right before all this happened that we just watched, uh, captured the son of this uh, big drug lord Lord. and uh, they're, they're not happy at all about it. Uh, But anyway, the interesting part of the aviation related thing is uh, a passenger flight, Aeromexico um, taxiing out for takeoff and they got hit by some of the gunfire, which is not good. Not good. They're going to get pretty good at uh, fixing all these bullet holes. All the major manufacturers are going to have, you know, Oh, we're going to make a special bullet hole. Uh, fix like the thing with the uh, rubber sure speed tape would be fine for it. Yeah, just a little plug <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, speed tape or duct uh-huh. tape or or those little kits right, that right. you get with your uh, with your uh, rubber raft that uh, plugs yeah. the mm-hmm. hole, like a drywall yeah, patch or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 
All right, let's keep moving. Um, yep. Number this B. Is a short, this is a short one. This is a short one, oh, sadly. Um, That's what she this said. This is an update, yes. Uh, That's what she said. Yes, exactly. An update from the Hawaiian uh, flight that uh, experienced uh, some pretty bad turbulence, injured a bunch of people. On January 6, 2023, the NTSB reported that there were four people with serious injuries and 38 people with minor injuries. The occurrence is rated an accident as being investigated by the NTSB. That's all we know. That's all we know. Okay. It's an accident. Fair enough. And we all know the definition of an accident because I covered it a couple of plane tails. Oh, oh, might even be the last plane tail. Well, tale. since you're the one that did the last plane tail, tell us what exactly uh, qualifies it for an accident. Is it um, oh, injury <laughs> and uh, dollar amounts? Or? Oh, you're the know. one that opened up this can of worms, sir. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're quite right. Uh, just a second. Uh, uh Open recent. Yeah, open book. Okay. Uh, for All right. Technical uh, you, you asked for it. You're going to get it. Oh, no. Um, a person is fatally or seriously injured as a result of being in the aircraft or direct contact with any part of the aircraft, including parts which have become detached from the aircraft or direct exposure to jet blasts, except when the injuries are from natural causes, self-inflicted or inflicted by other persons, or when the injuries are to stowaways hiding outside the areas normally available to the passengers or crew, or the aircraft sustains damage or structural failure, which adversely affects the structure strength performance or flight characteristics of the aircraft and would normally require major repair or replacement of the affected component except for engine failure or damage when the damage is limited to the engine, its cowling or accessories, or for damage limited to propellers, wingtips, antennas, tyres, brakes, fairings, small dents or puncture holes, including bullet holes, in the aircraft skin or the aircraft is missing or completely inaccessible. <laughs> but I do like the way they mention puncher holes in the I do like the way they skin. That, yes. <laughs> puncher yes, holes? Right. Yes. Like from a boxer? That, that sounds like redundancy uh, to me. No, I was thinking puncher. more from Not puncher, but pun- a drug puncher. cartel. Puncture. 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 Uh, like a tire. Yeah. P U N, pun. C-T-U-I-E. Liz, you just thought that this was going to be a short news item. <laughs> yeah, no, no, how wrong I was as usual. How wrong. So it thank was you. an accident, so it met that criteria. Yeah. Well, thank yes. you, Miami oh. Nick, for uh, that. Uh, no, no problem. Clarification. <laughs> All right, let's go on with uh, this one. Uh, an interesting. You know, we don't cover um, uh, what do they call crop dusting accidents very often on the show. Uh, this was two ac- uh, air tractors. In uh, where were they in uh, Panama? And they were uh, doing agricultural operations. Uh, so, an air tractor AT504, uh, Hotel Papa 1955 Alpha Tango, and another air tractor, Hotel Papa 1966 Alpha Tango, were involved in a midair collision during aerial application activities at Finca 45 at Guabito Changuinola district <laughs> Close Nailed it. yeah thank you you got finca right yeah, thank you uh both pilots received serious injuries and both aircraft were written off one pilot later died of his injuries it has not 
been confirmed if he was a pilot of 1955 AT or 1966 AT. Not that it really matters. Um, yeah, so that's a uh, it's dangerous. A dangerous. Yeah, activity. that's dangerous flying. I mean, it's very obviously low because you're trying to get the whatever the application is onto the area that you're applying it to without a lot of spread uh, to areas it's not supposed to be. Um, you know, it's a lot of. <clears throat> um, it, I listened to. I'm trying to remember which podcast it was now. Um, but I listened to a podcast some time ago where they interviewed um, someone who was basically a career crop duster and talked about how they got into it and all the times they'd snagged power lines and clipped treetops and all kinds of other just really terrifying sounding things to me. So, you know, it's, it's they're trying to be very quick and precise and um, and accurate with where they, they're doing their spraying. Yeah, and long days as well, because you mm, know, when, they, when it's the season for crop dusting, they're working from dawn to dusk. Exactly. Very few breaks, and of course, the material sometimes it's you know it's uh, they can it be hazardous. The, yeah, they have to breathe this stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, you know everyone thinks about like the proximity to the ground as the primary danger. I mean, it, it is the primary danger, and and the things that Steph said, flying the trees and power lines but you know when you also think about the fact that like nick said these guys are flying say 10 or 12 hours a day but they might be making you know instead of an airline pilot who flies one 12 hour leg they might be making three to five landings every hour so then you talk about like 30 um operations at an airport uh and then or off you, airport even because a lot of times these yeah, are in very land rural on places. They land yep. on roads where they have their <clears throat> both refueling and whatever the, for the um, actual application gets reloaded. They have trucks for that as well. So a lot of times they're on these like narrow dirt roads that they're landing on that have ditches on both sides. It's not even airport landings. Yep. I mean, I've done Interesting 30 from Neil airport here. landings in a day and that's tiring, but I can't imagine doing that kind of stuff. So Neil Lanwarm uh, so in our live audience, is anyone crop dusting with drones? Prime candidate for pilotless ops, surely? I think there are, they are. Uh, drone yep. applicants. Yeah, yep, yeah I think are. some of the, the limitations of that still, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, is just the amount of Halo. volume and um, you know time that you could be in the air doing these applications. But go ahead, Nick. Um, think well, I was just going to say, yeah, there are. Uh, I agree with Steph. Um there are places that are starting to utilize them, both smaller airplanes. Um, I actually have a friend who works for a company that uh, I think it's called Pika P either P I K A or P Y K A. If you look them up, Pika aviation or Pika aerospace. And they deal with some, I think crop dusting down in maybe Brazil uh, with a unmanned um, aircraft, but there's also some uh, instances of using, like unmanned helicopters to do some of the uh, crop testing, especially, I think that's more prevalent maybe over in Japan, but yeah, definitely a thing that happens. All right. Well, let's continue with uh, this next item. Uh, a Canadair CL 600 S challenger, 600 XB, uh, X-ray Bravo Sierra Gulf Victor, uh, crashed, uh, near Venado. Mexico. Both pilots were killed. The aircraft departed Celaya Airport, uh, CYW, on a flight to Satillo, 
Airport, SLW. Uh, last contact with the flight was when it was en route at flight level 260, 25 nautical miles north of San Luis Potosi. Um, but uh, there's really no information about what happened? It just kind of dropped out of the sky. And, oh, what, Liz? You said cactus that cactus is on fire there in the picture. The well, cactus. yes, the cactus is on fire, but I don't think that had anything to do with uh, bringing it down. <laughs> um, might have something to do with after it hit the ground and yeah. has some fuel and everything else. But I mean, I, I saw, I, I tried to find the other photo that I shared with you, Liz, last week yeah. that yeah. Uh, basically showed the area where it impacted the ground and it was just nothing but a bunch of pieces that were maybe, I don't know, a foot or about a foot in size, you know, not, not a lot left of the air. Usually you see like big pieces like the tail or some of the engines Engines, and that kind of thing, but nothing. It's just like all completely obliterated and, uh, don't know anything else about it other than that. Uh, main man, Micah says, isn't that the burning bush? Where's Moses? Now, Micah, let's not make fun of this, okay? It was a very serious incident. <laughs> but you do make a good point. I don't know. It's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I think he was under the burning bush, but who was under the burning cactus? Hmm. Right. Yeah. It was a burning That's cactus. It's a different bush. version of, of the story. <laughs> yeah. the, Wasn't that the Central American version of the story? That yes. little mouse uh, who used to local. go very fast. What was his name? Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez. <laughs> under the burning cactus. That's why he was going so fast. I'm just going to assume. Cactus. I'm just going to assume that it was a coincidence <laughs> that you're making a Speedy Gonzalez reference about Mexico. <laughs> and I will retain all the rest of my comments. <laughs> if anybody is out there that is sensitive to any of this kind of thing that we're doing, right. we apologize. Right to you. I'm offended at airline pilot guy. Pilot guy. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I wonder if there's still style your complaints <laughs> I'm not sure if I, I have a, a catch-all. Uh, email address anymore like i used to oh. i don't know we should try that out see if uh yeah. sending an email to i'm offended at airlinepilotguy.com actually gets to me like 1400 <laughs> emails right now to i doubt it <laughs> no maybe there yeah. are like five people watching right now and stuff so 21 21 okay there you go <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeehaw! all right uh let's move on to this next one jetstar flight from tokyo makes an emergency landing and passengers evacuate via slides over a bomb threat. Oh, yeah, uh, this is interesting. Yeah, it is. Domestic flight between Tokyo and Fukuoka was forced to make an emergency landing in Chubu on Saturday morning after someone phoned Tokyo's Narita Airport and claimed a bomb was on board the aircraft. The suspect allegedly uh, allegedly demanded to speak to an airline manager and threatened to detonate the improvised explosive device if the demand wasn't met. Uh, Jetstar 501 departed uh, Tokyo Narita at 6.35 a.m. on Saturday before it diverted from its planned route shortly after the bomb threat had been called in. The Airbus A320 aircraft landed safely, but passengers were evacuated onto the, onto the runway via emergency slides. But this this cannot be true because um, there's no luggage coming down those Oh, wait. Well, Liz is making a very good point. She said this couldn't Oops, be real, this, this photo here, because we don't see anybody with their luggage. So uh, good point. Yes. Except it's Photoshop. in Japan where they really Follow value rules. following yeah. rules and instructions. Wow. We could that's learn something from these Japanese people. 
Okay. They're enormous um, slides for a single door. I know. That's huge. They're huge, yeah. And they're little people. Um, you could go down great. sideways, couldn't you? you could. Maybe they designed the doors for Japanese people and the slides for American people. <laughs> That's you. what I was going to say. I was not sure if I should say something so blatantly. Well, let's do it. I'm offending everyone. It's like, those are obviously the American slides. Oh, Fair enough. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> a very uh, you know what else show. that picture reminded me of, uh, by the way? Just uh, the fact that there's literally nothing else in the picture. And it's like they've landed like on another planet. It reminded me. It looks me like of they a, landed. They landed at Denver, but we're looking east. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. They kind of, it looks the same way. You're right. Yeah. Nothing but planes. Well, I'm sure they punctured a remote part of the uh, airport in case it did blow up. Yeah. Yes. Sensible. Well, according to Japanese broadcaster NHK, a man called the Narita Airport from Germany. And made the bomb threat in English. He claimed a 100 kilogram bomb had been hidden in the cargo hold. 100 kilograms? Yeah, that's a big that's, bomb, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he'd have been paying excess baggage, wouldn't he? Oh, well, maybe he thought it was worth pounds. it. He would have had to spread it across three bags. <laughs> yes. uh, with wires connecting the bags. Oh, Neil, that's what I was getting ready to say is that that picture reminded me of an old show called, or an old movie called The Langoliers, which is like a Stephen King. Um, how it's kind of like there's a TV show here recently in the States called uh, Manifest, which was like mm. this weird, like time warpy type of uh, airline show. And the Langoliers is similar to that. It was like, a, I don't remember what the, something happened on a flight and like most of the passengers disappeared. But um, for some reason, like maybe 10 or 20% of the people that were on the airplane remained and like they landed at this abandoned airport and there was nobody there and they're just like wandering around the terminal. But anyway, that was a comment I was going to make. Neil nailed it on the head. <laughs> Way to go, Neil. Well done. All right. Unsurprisingly, law enforcement have so far found no evidence of a suspect device on board the aircraft. Bomb oh, threats are made relatively. Your own canoe did this, didn't they, Jeff? Oh, yeah. I should probably uh, mention. Made the bomb threat? I'm just going to say, I'm going to pull up Paddle Your Own Canoe there. See if they're from Germany. Law enforcement have found no evidence. We don't know what other <laughs> things have been going on in the background mm -hmm. uh, to them to have decided this was a red warning uh, because they don't do that lightly. They have to have um, pretty strong evidence that it's a genuine threat and that it's um, it's. It's possible that it, you know, it's a significant risk, a very significant risk before they divert an airplane. So when you say unsurprisingly, paddle your own canoe, law enforcement have found no evidence. I don't think that's a very accurate way to report this because you really have no idea what was going on in the background. Maybe they're, maybe they just, uh, maybe they're based in an area where law enforcement is very bad at their job. <laughs> so they're not surprised well, that they couldn't find anything. Well, and isn't it also true that uh, most of these cases of bomb threats and diversions and you know, like how often do they really actually find um, a uh, Oh, device? true, but not, we don't necessarily find out all of the ones that are true. For various reasons, the, um, you know, the authorities can hide it, perhaps in the hope of uh, not advertising uh, the likelihood or, you know, concealing it in part, as part of their investigation. I don't know for sure. But uh, 
yeah. I mean, you have to have a, a serious threat. So to say, unsurprisingly, they found no evidence, then you go, yeah, well, if it was a serious threat, they might have found some evidence. But So I was a little yeah. surprised when I saw the picture with the slides because I thought, um, is there really a pressing need to get everybody out of the airplane fast? And then I, mean, I thought about it, it and I... Red. Nick, then if you've said that the danger is or the threat is red, then yes, you're going to land the aircraft and as soon as possible you're going to evacuate everyone by slides. And okay. this isn't just done by the crew. Of course, it's done in conjunction with the, <coughs> the threat analysis um, analyzers. Uh, your company, uh, who should have one if not the government, uh, and they will call it, uh, in which case you, you say, well, that's an acceptable risk. Because you're quite right there. To, to throw one out via slides, it's going to cause Because you're guaranteed to have uh, injuries. Be. You know, we talk about that yeah. all the yeah. time. It's a guaranteed Absolutely. injury event. Um, yeah. I, I, I uh, like you, Nixie, uh, I thought uh, that was kind of interesting that I'm, I'm not sure uh, in, in my experience that, uh, well, I've never actually had to divert uh due to a You've bomb never threat put a bomb but on a plane? Uh, i know i never have put a bomb on a, on a plane please. um <laughs> but uh i don't know i just thought it was an interesting decision to make to uh, actually uh you know yeah do, so do, do i but i mean either there's a mistake uh or they were being overly cautious in their uh, threat assessment uh or they they intelligence services had some more information which they're not revealing to us i guess my thought process was if there really is somebody on the airplane with a device and the crew is concerned enough about getting the airplane uh depassengered in like what would it take that airplane maybe 90 seconds to get everybody off through the slides uh, supposed to. Yeah. still seems like you're probably not going to get everybody far away f enough from the airplane. If like the bad guy, if the bad guy was like, Oh, they're, I'm losing all my leverage. I need to blow up my bomb. Uh, so then I kind of wondered if they, like you had said, they landed somewhere and they wanted to keep the airplane away from all of the infrastructure. And then maybe just had no way to get people off the airplane because they weren't pulling up to it. Yeah. The gate thing. The they bridge. usually have uh, the airports, they're going to land aircraft out and uh, pre-nominated. But if this one wasn't, it just happened to be the closest decent diversion, then they've usually got 20 minutes, half an hour. They could get some uh, stairs, you know, stairs out or there if they wanted to deplay by stairs. Yeah. Um, there's no, <clears throat> you don't have to do the slide thing. But uh, usually if you've... Uh, if you're taking it so seriously, you've diverted the aircraft. Then, as soon as you're uh, you're settled somewhere, you can put the brakes on. You evacuate the airplane, and, okay. and that's just taken. And the fact that you you're going to have some injuries is just part of the, you know, it, it's just weighing up the pros and cons. Better Five to have someone with a broken case. ankle than, you know, blown up. What'd you say, Steph? Five injuries in this case. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it could have been worse. And uh, yes, it, it's hard to second guess the d decision. Yeah, I mean, I must so admit, from we the information know. we've got here, a bloke from Germany makes a threat in English about a, 
a Japanese aircraft uh, claiming there's a hundred kiloton kilogram no kiloton <laughs> that would be a big bomb. wow a <laughs> hundred kilogram bomb uh, hidden in the cargo the hold. Uh, yeah. I mean, how's he going to detonate it? I mean, the only real way, uh, usual way to detonate these bombs is uh, by a barometric trigger or a movement trigger, which is very unlikely because the aircraft moves a lot, a timing device that's common. Uh, telephones and other electronic uh, triggers, not so common because, uh, you know, when you're at altitude, that's very hard to uh, get a signal um, onto the aeroplane. And even uh, he didn't know where it was going to land, so uh, he might have, uh, you know, they might have put it somewhere where there's no nearby cell phones, uh, which would be sensible. Um, you know, so the the it's actually quite a hard thing to do to um, to threaten the aeroplane and then say, well, I won't blow it up because you know you the the way you can trigger a bomb in reality on an aircraft is uh, it's usually done um, by a, a device that's going to go off anyway, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have just done a test. Thank you, uh, Dr. Steph, uh, or somebody. Was it you Ultimate that did money. the test? And Liz. And, uh, and, and Liz uh, tested the I'm offended at airlinepilotguy.com email address. And at this point, it's not working anymore. Not operational. Yeah. <laughs> so no more of those emails from you guys you <laughs> and gals being offended. We don't care. Oh, Liz tested it too. Jingles doesn't care. <laughs> Jingles doesn't care. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Uh, yes. To this next item. Breaking news. Uh, Hawthorne, California, a private jet. With seven people on board. Is that not running? Are we having the same issue again? Darn it. it looks like it. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Time so much reload. for preloading my videos that don't uh, seem to work after they've been there for a while, I guess. All right. They timed out. Again. I'm going to okay. give it a thumbs down when we leave. Oh, no. Please room. don't do that because then it's going to go to me and I'm going to. No. <laughs> please don't. Uh, let me see. We're going to add it to the stream here. And see if anything happens. Yes. Ooh, yep, things are moving. Go. All right. That's what she said. A private jet with seven people on board crashed through a perimeter fence after it apparently slid off the runway when it landed at Hawthorne Mun Municipal Airport. But no injuries were reported. Los Angeles County firefighters responded to the scene after a report of an aircraft crash near Prairie Avenue around 6.30 p.m. Tuesday. The small jet landed safely, but it failed to turn at the end of the runway. <laughs> And ended up, I don't know why I'm laughing, and ended up hitting the perimeter fence, according to Fire Department spokesperson Henry Narvaez, who is on the screen right now. Yay, PIO, Pilot Induced Oscillation. What? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't looking at the video his hat, on his, his hat. hat He's got PIO oh, written on his oh, okay. hat. Okay. <laughs> so they've already determined the cause of this accident. Yeah, it's ironic absolutely. that he showed up with the cause. Wow. He saw the crash. <laughs> Pretty clever, these policemen. Uh, the small jet landed safely. Uh, but I already read that. Um, there were seven people on board, including the pilot. They were. Uh, they all uh, were safe, safely out of the jet. 
by the time the firefighters arrived. In the aftermath of the crash, the aircraft's tail and wings stretched onto Prairie Avenue and north side, northbound side of the street were shut yeah, down. Right near the hydrant there. Isn't that yeah. Pip's old jet, that one? I, Pip? I think it could be. Well, so, yeah, it's an Embraer uh, Phenom or Phenom, as he likes to call oh, it. Oh, that's where he flies now, isn't it? Oh, 300, yeah. I don't know if he flies uh, that now or not. Uh, I know he at no, one time he, he used to now. fly the, used the to. lemon. I think uh, Colonel Jeff now is flying the uh, the. the and ah. I, I just wondered who Stephen it was. Ivey. I could see Stephen in the background Ivey. skulking away. Oh yeah, well, I see him running away in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got gotcha. you. Um, photographic I evidence. Think the atmospheric river was to blame. The atmospheric river there. definitely had something to do with it, Liz, for sure. Um, yeah. Wet runway. It's not a long runway. It's like four thousand eight hundred feet long. And you know, out there in Southern California, when it doesn't rain for quite some time, and then it does rain, well, although rains in Southern California. Think, well, yeah, it pours. Um, the um, you know the, the all those oils like and things in the and- concrete, you know, kind of come up from that and, and it gets really slippery so that may have something to do with it or maybe they landed long i don't know who knows what what happened there but they they didn't get off the end of the runway before Pip's, sliding off. Uh, having a challenging time on the challenger now apparently ah pips on the challenger now okay all right um continuing on with this plethora of news um a pro flight uh zambia uh, DH-8C on November 25th of 2019, lightning and hail strike, downdraft, and severe turbulence. This is from the Aviation Herald. Ouch. Um, so they released their final report, uh, concluding the probable causes of the accident were cumulonimbus cloud is associated with extreme weather, such as heavy torrential downpours, hail, storms, and lightning. Due to its size and towering appearance, it is very significant and can be identified from a long distance and is to be avoided at all costs. The cumulonimbus storm cell that caused the above-mentioned damage to the aircraft should have been identified and avoided from a long distance. In the same manner, that in-route weather was avoided, even with the weather radar being unserviceable or not performing satisfactorily. A CB is visually identified from a long distance, as long as it's not embedded. Uh, The cause of the accident uh, is attributed to the lack of appreciation by the cockpit crew of the meteorological weather conditions prevailing in spite of the meteorological aerodrome reports and forecasts to the end that flight was rooted directly into the cumulonimbus storm rather than away from it. Commercial pressure could have contributed to due to the two hours plus technical delay. Pilots chose a direct route which took the flight into the storm rather than circumnavigating away from the storm. And the pilot exhibited a lack of good airmanship and judgment by failing to report the encounter of heavy turbulence to air traffic control. This should have been done to contribute to the safety of flights from other aircraft uh, by reporting the time, location, and intensity of the encounter. Uh, the fact that they were they requested to deviate left of track was evident or evidence of significant weather activity en route especially with meteorological information having been given as few cumulonimbus clouds, broken towering cumulus with a base of 3,500, scattered ones with a base 10,000, temperature 29C with dew point at 15. That's actually a pretty big gap there um, the uh, between the dew point and uh, temperature. Uh, anyway, a cum- mm. cumulonimbus cloud is associated with extreme weather such as heavy torrential. Dunk. We talked about that before. Um the fact that the uh, 
flight was cleared by approach radar to route via Atuli for an ILS approach, but chose rather to route directly to Lima Whiskey for a visual. And then ending up in the middle of a thunderstorm shows that they did not have the runway in sight when they requested yeah. a visual approach. The preceding flight from Lusaka into Livingston was delayed for about two hours, causing pressure on the crew to uh, try to catch up some time, make up some time. Anyway, uh, Liz was showing some of the photos in yeah. the uh, video here. Uh, cracked windshields, uh, some damage to the tail structure, and the nose is just uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty badly it's a little damaged. Beat up yeah. there. Yeah, and then you the uh, the one with the uh, wing root uh, too, the one that were they're mm-hmm. walking out of the airplane. That one right there. Yeah, Look yeah. at the wing root of that thing. That's some significant damage. You can see the spar. Should we report this? Nah, I don't think nah. we'll lose anything Sorry. when we land. It'll be fine. Nobody will know. I wonder yeah. if they had a NOTAM though. I wonder if they had the NOTAM. Oh, it could be. Uh, maybe the NOTAM would have warned them to stay away from that from uh, the weather. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just well, that was to be probably sure. the the ultimate cause. Just to be I clear, mean, to people, I that, that, a huge that amount of sympathy. <laughs> yeah, if if the you know, your radar isn't working, or you haven't got very good radar. I mean, you you can't see all the weather, uh, and uh, if there's a fair amount of cloud around, as Jeff said, it's it's very hard to tell uh, when there's an embedded thunderstorm that you're about to pop into one. However, if you're uh, requested a direct visual approach. Uh, that has taken you into a thunderstorm, then you go, uh, excuse me. That doesn't sound <laughs> <What>? very visual. <laughs> How are you flying a visual approach that goes into a thunderstorm and still, you know, you, well, you can can't see it can't. around the thunderstorm because before I flew directly into the thunderstorm. That, that thunderstorm is always it. there all the time. So I knew that if I fly toward that thunderstorm, I'll I'll hit the runway eventually. Exactly. You see, that? so <laughs> that, that one sentence there, I think, uh, <laughs> rather condemns the crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, speaking of condemning, this is. Uh, did we ever talk about this original incident, Liz? I'm not sure if we did. I don't think we I did. I think it was so disgusting. We yeah, it was kind of disgusting. To. You're right. Um, okay. So, a um, Mumbai man, Shankar Mishra, urinated on an elderly woman while drunk. Not the elderly elderly woman, but the uh, this man was drunk while on an Air India flight in November. He was arrested late on Friday night by the Delhi police from Bengaluru and uh, was, how do you say it? Bengaluru, I think. Bengaluru and uh, was brought back to the national capital. Um, They sent him to judicial custody for 14 days saying no police custody was required for further investigation. Uh, So let's see, let's talk about what happened here on a New York to Delhi Air India flight on November 26th, the 34-year-old Shankar Mishra allegedly unzipped his pants and urinated on an elderly woman in business class. He later begged the woman not to report him to to the police, saying it would impact his wife and child. Air India filed a police complaint only this week, so quite some time after the November 26th incident and said there was no further flare-up or confrontation, and respecting the perceived wishes of the female passenger, the crew elected not to summon law enforcement upon landing. It banned Mishra from flying for 30 days, triggering outrage by social media users who said it was not enough. The complainant had told the crew she did not want to see Mishra's face and was stunned when the offender was brought before her and started crying and profusely apologizing 
according to her complaint, which is part of the FIR, First Information Report. The woman also accused the crew of the crew of being deeply unprofessional and said they were not proactive in managing a very sensitive and traumatic situation. You know, it really doesn't go into detail why this guy decides to, you know, start urinating on an old lady in business drunk. class. Well, I, I, okay. But, you know, <laughs> I've been drunk before. I've never, I've never said, never oh, I'm just going to pee on somebody. An elderly woman. <laughs> <laughs> just, surely there must be some something else that happened there. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. He had mother issues. I can see where if someone was drunk enough that they would have no awareness, really, of what they were doing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, never, so never been Neil like brings that. up a good, good point of maybe there were other sleep aids involved. We're talking about a long flight from uh, New York to Delhi. True. Multiple time zone change has really messed up his sleep-wake cycles, you could be, you know, intoxicated, inebriated, and also kind of sleepwalking. That's like a passenger Brian kind of thing going on there. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, I, I, I can, I don't know, I've, I've experienced, um, not personally anything, but I've, I've seen enough humanity to know that sometimes these things can occur. You've seen enough humanity, huh? That's what mm-hmm. she said. All right. Uh, well, so, you know, they talked, they kind of hint there that uh, the crew uh, wasn't very well. sympathetic or they didn't handle it well. Well, this is kind of a follow up uh, from, where is this from? Uh, from Paddle Your Own Canoe. Uh, Air India suspends the pilot and four cabin crew over infamous business class urination incident that has enra- enraged India. Uh, the new chief executive, Campbell Wilson, said on Saturday, Saturday that the carrier has suspended one pilot and four members of the cabin crew over the incident in which an inebriated senior Wells Fargo employee urinated on an elderly female passenger sitting in business class during a flight between New York, JFK, wow, and Delhi. That, that explains it. He I was know. a cowboy. We know. Not only that. <laughs> well, no. I mean, the the name is kind of a cowboy name, right? Um, but I well, just, Fargo, yeah. I, well, I, I just focus on the fact that it is a financial services, uh, person. And we all know how those people that have worked, uh, in the, and work in the financial, um, uh, sector, uh, you know how they are, right, Liz? <laughs> oh, she's gone. <laughs> I'm looking down here and she's left her position. She didn't want yeah. to hear what I had to say about that. I um, don't blame her. Yeah, I don't blame her either. <laughs> Hell, don't tell her. Just don't tell her I said that. Um, okay. The, the response by airline staff to the incident has enraged many Indians over accusations that the cabin crew initially did little to look after the victim and failed to challenge the suspect. There is also widespread disbelief that the suspect was allowed to disembark with other passengers without law enforcement being called to meet the aircraft on arrival. Anyway, the bottom line is uh, when uh, Wells Fargo, uh, the bank, uh, found out about this incident, uh, by the way, I think he was the vice president of Wells Fargo, India. I mean, pretty high up there, and he was Mm -hmm. fired. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's gone. Um, All right. At least they're they're doing something to emphasize the fact that you have to – you know, treat these things a little bit differently than this crew did, apparently. I'm just yeah. wondering why they disciplined the pilot. 
I'm, I'm trying to work out what is. Maybe the pilot left the was. cockpit and came back and was somehow involved with hey, I mean, the it, decision making. That, that is what, possible. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, generally speaking, we don't come back to deal with these incidents that yeah. nowadays because of the security implications. Or maybe the fact that he didn't have law enforcement called if, if he were properly informed by the cabin crew. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Not sure. Anyway, the guy lost his job. That's good. Yeah, he lost his job. Or just there's enough outrage that they felt like they had to be that overly um, proactive. Yeah. I don't know. Or retroly proactive. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think this hit the news and the uh, Indian people have been, you know, stunned yeah, as to yeah. how this could happen and the guy could basically walk away from it. I think that's what's generated mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, problems. Mm-hmm. I agree. Having said that, it's a pretty foul thing to do and uh, behave yourself when you're on an airplane or anywhere in life. Please, people, right. be Good nice. Gentlemen. Yes, behave yourself. Keep it in your pants. Yeah. Use the uh, lavatory (laughs) instead. Yes, there's enough of them stuck around an airplane, for heaven's sake. Yeah. What, uh, lavatories or? Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Perhaps Steph might struggle to find a toilet in hers, but and Nick probably does. But you got a toilet in that DC-3? Oh, sorry, C-47? Should be. Yes. I bet there's not one in that. Flushing the toilet? Well, the seat? evacuation. Yeah, I mean, we have an evacuation tube, and then we have a five-gallon bucket with a fold-down toilet seat. So you actually are sitting on a toilet seat. Honey bucket. Okay. It just folds down onto a five-gallon bucket. Five gallons, huh? That's, that's a lot <laughs> of toilet. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Depends on how many people want to use it in one flight. Yeah. How long the Of course, you could just buy a 10 gallon hat and then you'd have two toilets. Okay, let's move on. All right. Time to go on to the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Final report Uh, a Malu Aviation Shorts 360. Good looking airplane. Registration 9 Sierra Golf. Is it though? No. Alpha Papa. Sarcasm. <laughs> Performing a flight from Goma, DR Congo to, mm, there's no vowel in there between the N and the D. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Ndola. Ndola. Zam- uh, Zambia. No, Steph got it right. Ndola. 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 Okay. Zambia with five crew, two pilots, and three engineers. Wow. Three pi- three engineers and two pilots. <laughs> Have you seen a short 360? Wow. Yeah. Or the interior of one? Uh, okay. Well, one on to it. hold the wings on, one to hold the tail on. <laughs> I was going to say, they're probably using the English version of engineers, and they're all just mechanics, all mechanics. running around the cab- yeah. cabin trying they're to mechanics. fix things faster than they break. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, anyway, they were on a positioning flight for maintenance. To <laughs> Maintenance, there you go. That's why they had all the engineers on, I guess, to uh, Lansaria, South Africa, with a planned intermediate stop at, at Endola. The aircraft descended to 5,000 feet, was cleared for a left base to runway 9. The crew reported the airport in sight and was cleared for a visual approach to runway 9, handed off to Tower. Although Tower could not see the aircraft, Tower cleared the aircraft to land on runway 9. Tower subsequently attempted to contact the aircraft several times without success until Indola approached and informed the Tower that the aircraft was safely on the ground. 
However, on Peter Zuse Military Airport, eight nautical miles southeast of the intended airport in clear weather and Uh-oh. daylight. Oopsie. Well, they had a, yep. air, a airport in sight or okay. an airport yes. in sight, not yeah, the airport in sight. No. <laughs> um, the uh, final report oh, from Zambia's uh, Accident Investigation Bureau uh, said the cause of the incident from submitted reports and all related document documentation gathered indicate that the aircraft was flown on a route with a wrong air uh, wrong waypoint which was the endola airport all the briefing offices were unable to pick up this mistake the aircraft was operated by experienced pilots who were very familiar with this route operated uh, via endola airport their surprise landing at peter Zuse Airport also confirms that they did not receive the NOTAMs. Uh-oh. Well, we know oh, why that happened. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Full circle. They were stuck in America. <laughs> yeah. That was a corrupted uh, file. Yeah. Uh, it was a corrupted file. <laughs> corrupted issued. Something. That's what I would blame it on. Uh, with yeah, regards to the closure of Andola yeah. Airport and transfer to Simon Wanza Kapwepwe International Airport. Uh, human factors... Is a cause of this incident. Thank you, Liz. Uh, mainly due to both uh, organizational arrangements put in place prior to the flight and service providers who missed the stop gaps by not noticing that a wrong waypoint had been indicated on the filed flight plan. Okay, well, regardless of that, I think we would all agree. Uh, you know, you have to like identify the airport that you are supposed to be landing so, at. Or well, this but is did interesting they- though. Yeah, so that used to be the correct airport until yeah. like a month prior. Uh, and it changed. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. There was a bit of a gotcha there, wasn't there? Yeah, I've done this before, not landing at the wrong airport, but actually uh, turning off a runway and heading to where the terminal used to be. Used to be. And they go, uh, <laughs> where are you me, going? Uh, where are you going? Uh, to, the, to, to the gate. <laughs> they go, yeah, that's on the other side of the, the airport. Other side of the airport. Uh-huh. Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just a nice day for a scenic um you know it's like a trip down memory lane yeah. uh good times when the muscle memory be over there muscle memory yeah wait so the, the guys filed a flight plan to the old airport correct and then they flew to the old airport yep and nobody noticed that they filed so the what did they do wrong it, uh, that's not their fault they didn't yeah. do anything wrong all right well, the, the only Other the only way you can really the get the crew about the is that when they were on short finals, they should have recognized they were now at the wrong airport. But did they really know well, but that the know. new airport? Yeah, if Jeff is flying into LaGuardia for 10 years, right? Well, he and makes then, so many mistakes, we will just take that for red, won't we? And then <laughs> says, like, we're going to start flying into JFK Who? instead. Acme. Who? Acme. Uh, Acme. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's just easily that confusing. Up, please. <laughs> Um, Acme, Acme changes to JFK and then they're like, Hey Jeff, you're flying to New York. And he goes and gets in the airplane. I don't think Files that's a flight his fault, plan to LaGuardia. Nobody yeah. notices. I mean, why Unless does there the air- was a NOTAM that was like, no more LaGuardia. It's still there. We just don't so, go there anymore. So the, I, I guess that was what I was getting at is like, what, if the old airport closed, that's what they would have found out from the NOTAM, right? But the NOTAM, so but the investigation the team airport- notes that both airports did not observe updated NOTAMs. Uh, well, I might point out that the two runways had different bearings. Mm-hmm. One was zero 09 and one was one this, zero. So this wasn't a case been, of mistaken. It wasn't like in they, some they cases landed where, at the airport that they well, were trying they, to land. It seems <laughs> to suggest that it was mistaken. I, they, I agree. So, 
I agree. I don't I don't think the I think the report could be written better, but I think mm-hmm. if you read it all the way to the bottom, which I didn't do until Jeff just read it, it God, I'm not sure reader. I'm not sure that the crew is when I started reading it, I thought 100%. the crew flew to the wrong airport. The, the crew intended sure to go to the that. airport that they actually landed at. <laughs> yeah. It just happened that that airport closed a month prior and they transferred everything to a different airport for the town. But for some reason, they didn't know that. And it's probably because of the very sophisticated navigation and, and updated databases in the Shorts 360, I would say, <laughs> like on their glass <laughs> cockpits that would have informed them that they know. Maybe not a glass cockpit in the yeah. shorts 360. I don't know. Perhaps. I also like in the human factors element. I like where it says it is very unlikely that this crew navigated the traditional way using maps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Paper like, maps. That's the proper one. They should have been using maps. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> should have used a darn map. Dead reckoning. <laughs> Uh, okay well that's yeah that's interesting yeah They're i took it a, yeah. a, a completely oh, yeah. different way when i first read this but now yeah i kind of understand that they thought they were landing at this airport all along before they even left and they mm-hmm. yeah and they did yeah okay well no tams strikes again yeah. <laughs> um okay and uh, wow we got a lot of news here should we keep going liz or yeah, because there's yeah, not that much feedback. Yeah, okay. we haven't gotten even to half the show. I mean, All right, uh, let's do uh, next one. Juliet, uh, investigation launched. This is from Paddle Your Own Canoe. <laughs> investigation launched after flight attendant hopefuls reportedly ordered to strip down to their underwear during recruitment event. Oh, no. Spain's Ministry Uh-oh. of Labor has launched an investigation after a group of female flight attendant hopefuls were ordered to strip down to their underwear so that the recruiters could physically check them for scars, birthmarks, tattoos, and other quote, unacceptable marks or defects. The alleged <laughs> incident occurred at a hotel in Madrid, which was hosting an open recruitment event. <laughs> Come join us for uh, Kuwait Airways, but organized by a third party agency, according to several of the victims who shared their stories of what happened with Spain's El Diario. The victims had gone to Madrid's um, Malia Barajas Hotel close to the city's main airport on November 5th, 2022, where the Gulf-based recruitment agency Mechti had hired out conference rooms for what was essentially an open casting call for budding flight attendants. Open casting is a fairly common practice amongst Persian Gulf Airlines, where recruiters make whistle-stop tours in cities around the world. Uh, looking for the right candidate. Uh, some airlines only recruit female flight attendants. Whistle stop tours. Yeah, that's is what that, I thought. Is of. that a show title? Uh, it could be. Uh, they for they're looking looking for the right candidate. Some airlines only recruit female flight attendants, and recruiters are even sometimes given a list of physical attributes to look for. In this case, one of the victims told El Diario that shortlisted candidates had been called into a room one by one where they were told to strip down to their underwear so that the recruiters could examine their bodies. A 23-year-old victim who had been identified only as Bianca said during the initial assessment that some candidates were looked over and cast aside because the recruiter didn't like their smile or because they had pimples. She recalled how one of the recruiters ordered her to open her mouth and look inside as if I were a dog. He almost put his eye in my mouth to see my teeth. Bianca says the candidates who made it through the initial call 
were then called into a room one by one where female recruiter looked over them. Uh, the recruiter or where a female recruiter looked over them. The recruiter asked Bianca to raise her dress further up her legs, but when she only lifted it to knee level, the recruiter lifted it up all the way to her panties. Uh, the dress had a zipper on the back, and she asked me to lower it to my waist, Bianca continued. I stayed in a bra. She said it was to see that we didn't have scars, birthmarks, or tattoos. Another 23-year-old, Mariana, said young Talented women were turned away because they had moles or tiny facial scars. Another was turned away because she wore glasses and another because she had braces. In the opaque world of flight attendant recruitment, getting rejected for having the wrong look is widely believed to be commonplace, but it is incredibly rare for recruiters to verbalize these reasons for rejection. Yeah, most airlines no longer require scar or tattoo checks in areas not otherwise visible while wearing the airline uniform. Even airlines that recruit overseas won't carry out these kinds of physical checks in a third country due to varying employment laws. In this case, the Spanish Ministry of Labor has already opened an investigation and could refer the matter to the prosecutor's office. Um, he's, the Minister of Labor said uh, what happened uh, was intolerable behavior that violates the dignity and fundamental rights of these women. It, uh, it incurs discrimination in access to employment and collects data that is absolutely irrelevant to the selection process. Right yeah. On. That's just horrible. Yeah. Although no, I, I can imagine. 100%. Yeah. I mean, so these are, you know, sounds like mostly very young women looking for a start in a career that, you know, essentially they would like to do. Um, I can imagine now as being slightly older, what my response to be would be to someone who asked me to do something like that as part of an employment uh, interview. It probably isn't suitable for saying on might air. might be a physical response. It might be physical and it might also involve a lot of um, Swearing. Uh, colorful language. Um, and maybe I would show them um, something, but not something they'd like to see. So. Good for you. I'm them on the way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gesture. Yeah. Anyway. The, the, right. This is classic. We, we've seen, you know, countless recently, uh, the last few years, um, situations where um, women have been taken advantage of, uh, and this is just, this is just awful. And we'd have thought by now the message would have got to everywhere, even QA Airways, that their recruiters shouldn't be doing this. And I, I hope they've stopped doing business with this third-party recruiting agency. I think they mm -hmm. will. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if, if you're in the Netherlands and you are waiting for a package to be delivered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We think we might know why. You haven't yeah. received it yet. Uh, this is from NL Times. A delivery van full of packages and with its engine running was abandoned in front of Schiphol Airport's departure hall on Wednesday evening. The, air, the driver left it there to board a plane. Uh, it often happens that couriers drop off packages at Schiphol, but this time no one came back. We then saw on camera images of how the gentleman left his van and checked in at the airport, presumably to go on a trip, the spokesperson said. <laughs> Uh, let's see the Conin. Okay. Who wants to pronounce that? I have no uh, idea. How you Nick that. A. Nick I'm a not in charge of this podcast. Okay. Well, the, uh, the Conic. It's a policing Mara force Chasuisi that works as part a policing of the Dutch force. military. Thank you, staff. I knew that too, but You're I was welcome. trying to say the words. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Anyway, they were part the of the Dutch military. Was responsible Where's Masha for when you security. need her? Yeah, Masha, where are you? Um, uh. and anyway, the, uh, they naturally considered the situation suspicious, called in a sniffer dog to examine the van for explosives, explosives and other contraband. They did not find anything suspicious. Technically, the courier did not commit a felony or a serious crime. The only illegal act was parking in a no-parking zone. (laughs) (laughs) There will be a good conversation between him and his employer. I don't think so. I don't don't think he's going. I don't think (laughs) he really had any intention of going back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow! There's no stopping in the red zone. The white zone is for (laughs) what is? I forget how that goes now. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember either. Okay, last but not least, uh, again, uh, no, this is from a different one, ctvnews.ca. Uh, ah, I figure it's a Canadian news agency. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, TSA finds a four-foot boa constrictor in carry-on baggage. The bizarre yet fascinating menagerie of animals detected by TSA agents in carry-on baggage at U.S. airports carries on into 2023. This time, the discovery was an old standby theme popular, popularized in movies, Snakes on a Plane. Well, it was one four-foot boa constrictor to be exact, and, it, and technically it never made it onto the plane still. It's intriguing. The Transportation Secretary Administration tweeted, I'm getting tired of reading these tweets from the TSA. I don't think they're funny anymore, but okay, we're going to continue. Um, this is this is Tampa International Airport. happened on December 15th. And um, okay, here we go. Quote, our officers didn't find this hysterical coiled up in a passenger's carry-on was a four-foot boa constrictor. We really have no adoration for discovering any pet going through an x-ray machine. You really have to see the words that were. Nick. TSA, uh, stick to your day I, job. I know. I, this, still, I see it, and I still don't get that one. Is adder, does adder, adder have snake. something to do with a, okay. A yeah. There we go. Um, now I get it. The uh, puns and admonishments don't stop there, sadly. Do you have aspirations of taking a snake on a plane? Don't get upsetty spaghetti I don't understand that one. By not understanding your airline's rules, for instance, airlines don't allow nope ropes in carry-on bags. Is that another term for a snake? That's actually, uh, there was like a meme that gave kids uh, a description of of animals with drawings and what the snake was a nope rope or something like that. Oh, I've never heard Mm -hmm. that. Okay. Um... The airlines don't allow no ropes and carry-on bags, and only a few allow them to slither around in checked bags if packaged correctly. <laughs> TSA notified the airline that the woman with the carry-on was ticketed to fly on, and the airline did not permit the snake on the plane. Oh, I thought there was going to be another cute little pun there, but apparently not. Tim Van Ram has a good point here. P- Tim Van Ram in our audience was the boa concealed in peanut butter? Well, if it had been Tim, we wouldn't be talking about it, would we? We would not. They would not have discovered it. Would not, no, no. No, you can easily get a four-foot boa constrictor into a jar of peanut butter. Mm. Yeah, a, a very large jar of peanut butter. Okay, time to get to know <laughs> right. you guys. Well, Everything's big in America. I, I didn't. You, yeah. Around Thanksgiving, poor smells the cat. That's a terrible name for a cat. <laughs> 
uh, was found in a carry-on at John F. Kennedy International. Uh, the person with the carry-on said the cat wasn't his, but came from his household. <laughs> it's not mine, but it lives in my house. After the ordeal and the indignity of it all, Smells was rewarded with a sumptuous Thanksgiving spread. Now, I could almost see a cat, like, you know, if you got, like, roommates or something, and one, like, packing for a trip and, like, walks out and walks back in, and the cat, like, snuck in there and mm-hmm. took a nap. I think you'd notice on the way to the airport, though, if it, your yeah. luggage was, like, moving around. Meowing. <laughs> Meowing. <laughs> That's usually a dead giveaway when your yeah. luggage is making a meow sound. <laughs> All right. I think, please save us. It's time (laughs) getting to know us. (laughs) That part of the show where we kind of get all caught up with what we have all been doing between shows. All right. Well, um, Steph. Steffi. Please tell us what you have been up to. I don't know. When was the last time I talked to you guys? Was it last year? Yeah, Probably. it was last year. <laughs> I think it was the was it the Christmas episode? Yeah. I have no idea. It may have been. I think it was. Yeah, it it's was. been a while. How um, was your Christmas? And you so New Christmas Year's. and New Year's were good. Um, yeah, if I've already talked about some of this, I'm sorry because I, I don't remember if I was on the show since then or not. Well, if you start talking um, about something we've already you've and it already sounds said, very I'll familiar, just... you can just stop me. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fine. I'm ready with a buzzer. Um, yeah. Christmas and New Year's, both um, both relatively quiet. Um, I didn't have any large, uh, really large family gatherings or anything like that, although I did go to the Chicago area um, for a family get-together a couple days before New Year's when I was off work. Um, had a get-together mostly with a couple of cousins and had a very nice uh kind of night before New Year's Eve dinner with all of them. Um, they all have young kids and they were able to secure babysitters. So we, we kind of did New Year's Eve that night. Um, and we stayed out probably way too late and um, we all felt rather sluggish the next morning for it, but it was nice to see all of them and, and catch up. Pee because on anyone. Yeah, you didn't pee on anybody, did you? We did not. No, okay. to my knowledge, no, there was no... <laughs> Good. <laughs> nothing as far nothing as reached remember. that level of, as far as I can remember, nothing reached that level of intoxication. So that, that's a plus. That's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. good to hear. And actually, um, we've actually had some pretty nice weather since the first of the year. Um, so the official New Year's holiday for us was on uh, the following Monday, which I think was the second. And I was off at work and the weather was nice and um, the local drop zone where I fly and jump decided that it was nice enough that we should maybe see if people wanted to come out and um, uh, jump out of airplanes on a Monday, which doesn't happen oh, very often. Usually we're not open on Mondays or holidays. Um, and actually had a pretty good turnout of people. So that was that was a lot of fun. We uh, did a couple jumps. I flew a couple loads of jumpers. Wasn't planning on doing that, and it was it was kind of a nice surprise. I'm sorry. Did I tell you about that? No, you weren't here, but we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, because you sent us some pictures. <laughs> I did send some pictures, yes. Liz made me do the buzzer. Fair enough. I was like, I don't think I mentioned that. I would have remembered. Anyway. <laughs> no, you hadn't. Okay, We didn't fair hear enough. you actually saying that, but we, we have those <laughs> pictures in our, in our minds. 
Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Um, was that a caravan? Yeah, so, the first one that you showed with a bunch of people in it, and yeah, it was a caravan. Okay. So we they they advertised, you know, if, if enough people came, well, if they could get people out, there'd be someone. Uh, it was actually not me. Um, a different pilot had volunteered to fly the the one eighty two um, for the day if people wanted to come out and fun jump on a holiday. So they had enough people show up that, um, and I showed up. <laughs> that wasn't you know planning or had not uh, committed to being there um, because the pilot that was uh, doing the flying was not, um, he's not signed off on the caravan as of yet. Um, so about halfway through the day, one of the owners came over to me and said, would, we, would, would you mind if, if we did some caravan loads? Like I was going to be <laughs> upset or disappointed that um, they wanted me to fly. Um I was like, yeah, of course. You know, there's plenty of people here. Let's let's go ahead and do it. If if you know, I would have if I had to pop over that beer a little while ago. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> can't do that when you're jumping either. That's a no no. Oh. You can't uh, jump with the beer. No, I'm sure somebody has. Well, it's a no no, <laughs> but I'm gonna... we're not going to say. <laughs> I've seen what you daredevils are like. Very responsible daredevils, mm. I will say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because okay. we value our privileges to be able to do okay. those things. And, you know, um, as someone put it to me once, it's a it's a sport with a lot of potential for danger, but um, performed to the highest safety standards possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen them jumping out and <laughs> sitting in cars and other things. Yeah, that's what they do, like, in the desert, though, where they've got lots of oh, land. The and oh, yeah, the yeah, different rules in not, the desert. There's, there's different rules down there. I don't know. It's the... Like okay. a bunch of cowboys. Um, <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> Yeehaw! Thank you. Uh, let's see. And then I guess the the next weekend was the one immediately following that. I was back to work. It's been a little on the quieter side, which is not uncommon after the first of the year. Um, still, it's not as bad as it used to be, but still kind of a holdover of the way our insurance system works here in the in the United States, where um, if you've spent a certain amount of money. Um, oftentimes you don't have more out of pocket um, responsibility for things as you get towards the end of the year until things reset for the next year. So anything that's more elective in nature, um, people often put off until the end of the year. So it gets very busy for us because we do a lot of elective things. And then after the first of the year, it gets a little bit um, quieter again. So that's been nice. But the next weekend, last weekend, I think if I'm doing my days correctly, um, we had nice weather again, so the drop zone did the same thing on, on Saturday, and I actually did not, I don't think I flew any on that day, but I did do four skydives, so that was good. Um, so I'm off to off to a good start for the year for sky sports and sky activities. I'll take it. And let's see, anything else coming up? I don't think so. Um, I do have my annual conference coming up, but not for another couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, your and conference. I'm this, yeah. Yes, conferencing, and and it's going to be a good year for conferencing. I was going to say it should be a good it conference with all the rain had over there. Oh my gosh, keep that atmospheric river or whatever they call it coming because <laughs> oh, a lot of the ski resorts in Utah have already had over 300 inches of snow for the year. Mm. So, wow, it's awesome! I'm very excited. Good oh, conference. No. <laughs> Uh, speaking of cats, you know, we were talking about cats earlier. Uh, Nick uh, Anderson uh, is reminding me of a cat playing with cat toys. Uh, very distracting. What are I you doing? Into, no, he's been into the catnip. He's into. He's been into the catnip. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. 
Okay. Why don't you, uh, since it, go ahead, and this will distract him from playing with the cat toys. Uh, Nick, <laughs> uh, Captain Nick, what have you been up to? Um, uh, Steph, were you uh, were you finished with the? Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. finished, and actually, it's a good good um, stopping point. I don't know it, when we started the show, I was um, having a little snack, which turned into full on dinner. But I'm very thirsty, and I need to go. Go get something. Grab a beverage to quench my get thirst. Get one for me too. I had some some yeah. Indian food, oh, which is very good, yeah. which I ordered mild. Nice IPA, please. And it did not arrive mild. Mm. It was quite go get a drink. spicy, but I managed. Uh-oh. Hour and a half now. Okay. Okay. My <laughs> sinuses are clear. Good. 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 All right. I'll All right. be right back. Be right back. Let's listen to it. Yep. All right. Nika. Yes, man. What can I do for you? <laughs> um, so have you been doing anything interesting uh, lately uh, between no, episodes? No, no? no. Okay. I went to see uh, I went to see Captain Knight, but that's not the least oh, interesting. interesting. Okay. <laughs> No, uh, that's about all I've been up to, even vaguely uh, aviation-related. Of course, I keep tabs on my uh, very old friend uh, uh, who uh, used to fly in the Air Force and uh, also many years with Cathay Pacific and uh, uh, Korean. Um, So uh, we met up, and he actually had a little message for Captain Jeff, not so much for anyone else uh, and I thought I would um, pass it on Hello Jeff, how are you doing? I'm with Captain Slick in some pub somewhere in some England and uh, oh, uh, we're all being told to hush because I've got to say something very important Happy birthday of fart and uh, can I just say that I'm only one and a half shows behind and still enjoying it and I think you're up to 5.51 now. More to the point, I hear you're retiring until Acme uh, at least three months in advance, otherwise you won't get your full benefits. And uh, mate, I've been enjoying retirement now for over 10 years. It is brilliant. Okay. Sorry about this. This is a parrot on my shoulder. <laughs> So that think, was brilliant. I think the message was that uh, he realizes you're in the last uh, year of uh, airline work mm-hmm. uh, as a pilot, unless you decide to do something else. And he's been retired for 10 years, and he was saying how wonderful it was to be retired and to uh, put it all behind you. And um, Thanks for the translation. Know, grass, yeah, grass <laughs> life with both hands and do what you've wanted to do for years. And, yes. Uh, and get on with a bit of life. So uh, I think that was his message. But anyway, we we met at a ye oldy red. I say oldie. You don't pronounce ye, the old. ye apparently. Ye old red lion or something, which uh, was uh, about halfway between us, and it was a very pleasant meal. Very nice indeed. Well done, Nigel. Uh, and yes, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And that's really it from me uh, for this week. Uh, not much going on, and uh, not much going on next week, really. Other than that, I am producing, very nearly finished the next plain tale, which will be on the next show. And um, for those who particularly enjoy stories from my logbook, uh, it is uh, RAF Form Four One Four, Volume Nineteen. Wow! And um, we're getting very close to the Pine Gap incident, which Australians will know all about Pine Gap. No one else does, probably. 
except for the CIA and the NSA. I know a lot about it. Um, and I found out a lot about it as well. So oh, okay. there's a little taster. A okay, that sounds interesting. What a teaser. Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to talk cover art before you go to Nick? Yeah, you week? want to uh, talk about the cover art from the uh, last episode? Well, you, we uh, did uh, feature an awful lot of stories about uh, people shooting at airplanes, mainly in celebration, mm. uh, really, because, uh, you know, it's quite common in some countries for uh, people to go outside and fire their weapons. Um, and everyone seems to have one. And the <laughs> aircraft, uh, I think Middle East Airlines are one that particularly suffer, often get hit. So that was the theme of it, and we've uh, we've got a nice hunting scene, or in this case, a no hunting scene with uh, two typical uh, Americans uh, hunting, uh, or a lady and a man, uh, and a, uh, a hunting. Oh. What do you call that? A hide, I guess. Yes. Uh, splattered with no hunting signs, except of course it looks like a porcupine with all the gun barrels sticking out of it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's. A bit of fun. Stop the shooting at yeah. What do we call that? A blind? Uh, a blind. Yeah. It's a blind. We call that a Oh, a is blind. that for all your blind hunters? Yes. Well, Is that why you go around shooting? Well, let's blind <laughs> yeah, people now so that you're in a blind, so whatever you're shooting at doesn't see you. Liz is saying, now we're offending blind people. <laughs> 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 wow. All right. Yes. Oh, by the a- way, I did put a nice doggy in that yeah. one. Yeah, so there's a nice a uh, airplane in his springer. Springer. mouth. Springer. Yeah, retrieving one of the shot planes. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Uh, what is that? I oh, didn't, I didn't forget, zoom in on the posted uh, sign there at the bottom. Um, posted. Uh, yes, is that is that somebody's uh, mug shot that we would recognize? I can't tell. Oh no, it's uh, that's just a bit of. I thought the same when I looked at it. Uh, no, it's not actually. It's just okay. a bit of wood underneath the old poster. Okay. But uh, I, I did stick a nice uh, uh, Queen of the Skies there full of bullet holes, so I thought Rick would appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. And that's exactly what we Americans look like when we go out hunting. Oh, yeah, yeah I thought you did. My yes. typical uh, hunting garb. Yes. Yep. Dress. Your, your white you look, spats. You look very uh, handsome uh, in yeah. that hunting garb. Very spats. nice. Uh, no, see the lady on the side? She's got her dress on and her... Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. fashionable uh-huh. uh, with her hunting gloves. Gloves. and Yes, mm. absolutely. No, Love it. Perfect, I thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nixie. Nixie. Um, what have you been up to, sir? Uh, I've been traveling quite a bit for work. Um, last time I was on was the week after Christmas. Um, I had been studying for my power plant test, uh, which I generally don't tell people I'm taking tests because it's less embarrassing if I fail them. And then Jeff told everyone at the end of the show, (laughs) um, but it was all right because I passed it. So I I had confidence in you. Congratulations. So I'm all all done with that. All the boxes are checked there. Um, I will say it was actually pretty cool. So leading up to the power plant, uh, I was spending a bunch of time studying uh, in the hangar. It was uh, one instance where my... um, It was one instance where it was beneficial to have a father named Hector the Collector. 
because we had all sorts of spare engine parts in the hangar. So, um, you know, for the practical side of the test, you got to do all sorts of um, actions or activities on uh, various components, right? So, like, uh, carburetors. Um, I've done a little bit of work on carburetors, so I felt pretty good about that. But we had uh, a couple of spare carburetors, so we took one all the way apart, and we worked on, like, setting the flow, replacing the jets, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, Magneto, I spent like a whole afternoon in there, um, internally timing a Bendix Magneto. So, um, you know, I had timed a Magneto to an engine, I don't know, 50 times a lot. I feel fairly comfortable with it, but I'd never mess with the internal timing. So, uh, we cracked that thing open and I was able to set the points and, uh, internally time the magnet to the distributor and do all that sort of stuff. So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, my dad, who, yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, my dad, who used to be a maintenance instructor for King airs, um, one evening gave me, and then one of my buddies is also working on his AMP, a, uh, basically like a classroom session on, uh, turbines, which I sent a picture and Steph uh, correctly identified it as being a PT6, an early PT6. Woohoo! Like it was a Dash 21. Um, so we went through that, like talked through all of the uh, different functions that the different parts had in it. I don't know anything about turbines, so uh, that was pretty helpful. And then I went and I got to my test, and I think we, ch- I think I talked about it last time, but. The weird part is, and I don't know if it's like this for pilot tests, because I haven't taken a pilot test in many years, but the FAA now generates the tests. And so, like, I give the DME my paperwork, the DME submits it to the FAA, and then the FAA actually generates the oral and practical. So instead of the DME, um, you know, like when I took my private pilot test, the DME had um, like an oral exam that he used. I know this because me and my brother took uh, the um, took our pilot tests one week apart from the same examiner, and when we compared notes, I think there was one question that was different between our two um, orals. Wow! So, um, but in this instance, he printed off so like he submits my paperwork to the FAA, and then the FAA gives him my oral and my practical assignments. And so, like, the way the oral works... Did I explain this for the airframe? I think so. I, I, if you did, I I wasn't here to hear it, so I'm, I, I'm interested. Yeah, I, I regularly feel like I'm losing my mind, so... Oh, um, just wait until you're a little bit older like me. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but anyway, you know, there are various subsections in the in each section. So, like, the, the power plant, there's uh, subsections for, like, reciprocating engines, turbine engines, um, uh, fuel metering systems uh electrical systems all that sort of stuff and so then within each subsystem the fa gives you seven questions and um the examiner asks four questions and if you get three or four questions if you out of the first four questions if you get three or four correct then you pass that section and move on if you miss more than one question out of the first four he has to ask you all seven and I think you can only miss two 
or three out of all seven. I don't remember. It's very confusing. Like leave it up to the FAA to like make it way more confusing than it seems like it needs to be. Uh, fortunately, I did pretty well on the oral, so I didn't have to go past the four questions. And then my practical assignments, uh, the examiner like opened it up and looked at it and like actually laughed out loud. And I was like, what? And he's like, you don't have to do anything. I was like, what do you mean? I don't have to do anything. And he was like, uh, you have a task to dress a propeller and then everything else is inspections. And I was like, oh really? And and we went through it and it was like, I had to dress a propeller, which basically means, you know, like, um, file out a Nick, like remove all of the, um, roughness from a Nick. Yep. Yeah. And then it was like, examine an exhaust system, examine an induction system, um, examine an engine mount, examine an ignition. Was an exam. Um, I could do so that. that was it. Can... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Give it the good old yeah. eyeball. So, uh, we went into the, went into the, well, he gave me the prop. I fixed the prop. And then we went into the propulsion, uh, lab or the power plant lab. And this is at the, this is at the trade school here in Wichita. So very well outfitted, uh, situation. And we went into the power plant lab and they had probably, 20 flat engines, probably like half a dozen radials and probably, I don't know, six or eight turbine engines, you know, of various States in there on stands and all sorts of stuff. And so he'd like point to one and he'd be like, all right, go inspect the exhaust system on that engine and tell me what you find and then go inspect the engine mount on that one. So it was pretty straightforward, smoked through it pretty fast probably took twice as long as we needed to because the DME was like an old airplane guy also. So he had lots of like old airplane stories. And so he'd like, tell me a story and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's funny. A similar thing happened when we did this. And like, we just start like chatting. Um, so that was fun. Got that out of the way. I believe that was new year's Eve or maybe the day before new year's Eve. That was a Friday. Uh, we went through new year's, um, and then I got to go to Dayton for work last week, which was interesting. Um, we left, uh, I left on Monday oh, or I was yeah. supposed to leave on Monday, the second. Um, it was eighth of a mile in fog when I was supposed to leave. And so as my dad and I were driving to the airport, I got a text saying your flight has been delayed for an hour. And so I said, uh, all right, hey, dad, let's just go back to the shop. So we went back and hung out for a little bit and then drove back to the airport. I was supposed to leave at one twenty, So I was now getting to the airport at like 1 instead of at noon. And then... Um, I'm glad that you have similar airport arrival times to what I choose to do. So thank you. Oh, I get there. I get there early. Oh. I'm, I'm not like you. Oh, uh, so like, I thought you said you were getting there at 1 o'clock for a one twenty. Flight. Well, but they pushed it an hour, so it was oh, like an hour beyond flight that. now. Oh, okay, I yeah. So, uh, yeah, gonna... I'm like okay. an hour before boarding is my minimum, and that is only because I have TSA pre. Otherwise, I would get there like two hours before. I'm the opposite of you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, so, so then they just began to uh, delay my flight thirty to thirty minutes to an hour at a time from like two twenty or two thirty in the afternoon all the way down until like nine fifty, And, um, so I, Jeez. my flight from Chicago to Dayton, I got pushed back. Initially I was supposed to leave on that one at like 
eight. And then I got the later one, which was maybe like nine 30. And that was the latest one. And then eventually it looked like I wasn't even going to be able to make that. So I was up there talking to the gate agent and I figured with bad weather in the Midwest, if I could make it to Chicago and spend the night in Chicago, I'd still probably be better off than just being stuck in Wichita. So I was talking to the gate agent and I was like, now this airplane was supposed to arrive at one o'clock and you're telling me it's now going to arrive at nine o'clock. Is the crew still going to have any duty time left? And the gay digital one's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. Yep, they'll be fine. They'll yeah, be fine. it'll be fine. The airplane yeah. had been stuck in Denver all day. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was like, yeah, they must have just like given them a new crew like halfway through the day. That's fine. And, um, and so then let's see, that's all. So at like 830, they come on and they say, oh, good news. Your airplane is in the air. It'll be here at 930 and we'll quickly get it deplaned to clean so we can get you on your way. And I'm thinking, okay, well, at least it's finally getting here, finally getting here. And then it lands and it's now because the airport's basically shut down. We're like the last flight of the night. It's very easy to tell that our airplane is taxiing in. So I'm watching it taxi in and the gate agent says, good news. The airplane's here. We should have you up in the air, you know, very soon or whatever. It was only after all the people had deplaned that the gate agent was like, so it turns out, unfortunately, and I'm very disappointed with my own company for this, but <laughs> the pilots have no time left. And we were all like, I say all the 13 of us that were left for this 76 seat flight. <laughs> we're all like, really? Are you kidding me? Did she not understand my question? <laughs> yeah. So, um, that was a big disappointment and a huge uh, waste of a day. Cause it, by the late afternoon I was texting with my wife and she's like, well, do you want me to come get you? And I was like, man, I wish they would just like delay this thing two hours at a time instead of an hour at a time. Cause then you could at least like come pick me up and uh, with the boys and we could go to dinner and then you could bring me back or whatever. But now they like made it as inconvenient as possible. Uh, but after that, um, the next day I got on the early flight uh, had a relatively uneventful trip all the way to Dayton. Um, had a good session of work stuff happen at Dayton and got home also uneventfully. Yay. So the rest of it was pretty good. Didn't get a chance to go to the museum in Dayton this time uh, because I went to it just a couple of weeks ago in December. Uh, and uh, I'm going back out there probably next week. So. Might be another opportunity to go if I, uh, cool. Yeah. You're going to be out there in February. In. Um, uh, probably unlikely, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Cause I think you're going to be out there the, in February. One of the trips that I bid for February, I haven't gotten the, uh, results yet, but I think one of them is gotcha. a Dayton layover. I bet you didn't bid any Wichita, did you? I'm not sure. Maybe Toronto. Yeah. I've been to Wichita. Toronto. No, I don't know anybody <laughs> in Toronto. <laughs> Only Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte may have been one of the ones that, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. Um, excellent. Anything else, uh, Nick? I'm trying to think about it. I don't think so. I haven't flown in ages. I actually need to go back and, well, no, that's not true. I, so the day that I passed the power plant, I was going to say I may have run out of currency, but the day that I uh, passed the power plant, I went out and flew the Luscombe a bunch because the weather was nice and mm. uh, it was going out of annual at the end of the year. So um, in standard fashion uh, with old airplanes, I got 
I got my AMP, or I got, I finished the AMP at like 11 a.m. And by 7 p.m., we had the Luscom taken apart and had, we're like, oh man, old airplane issues. We have a low cylinder and we have a couple other things we have to deal with. But, well, but now I can now sign can. it off. Now you can. If I want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't that's have cool. to. That's the other. So that's what I was telling everybody else is everybody said, oh, are you so excited and all this and all that? And I was like, it really doesn't change anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like, not now. I, I'm still going to do all the work. My dad's still going to look at everything. Basically, all it saves is whenever my dad decides that he doesn't want to have anything to do with airplanes anymore, mm-hmm. I will not have to get out of aviation due to the prohibitive cost of maintenance. That's good cool. to know. Which he's told me. So it's three years to get an inspection authorization, which is the next level up. So AMP mm-hmm. can do everything except for major repairs, major alterations, and sign off annuals, basically. Cool. And uh, to get an inspection authorization, you have to be a practicing AMP for three years. And so my dad's like, all right, the clock started January 1 of 2026. That's his retirement date. Yep. He's like, <laughs> with everything. Cool. What you been doing, Jeff? Well, um, Liz, I have been busy uh, out there flying. Uh, finished up the trip that I was on when we recorded the last show. I was in uh, Harrisburg and uh, Rebecca... Sailor was uh, my in-studio uh, audience member. It was very nice uh, meeting up with you, Rebecca, if you're watching or listening. And uh, thank you for uh, the pizza and the salad. That salad was really good, by the way, uh, that she stuck in the refrigerator and had that uh, after the show. Um, on So I got home on Friday. On Saturday, I had lunch with my, my youngest daughter, Natalie. And to celebrate Christmas and our birthdays, mine on the 26th of December and hers on the 31st. And uh, after lunch, we went, uh, did some big screen TV shopping over at Costco. And yeah. uh, we uh, were looking at the big 65 inch televisions. And our, our number one criteria was to find one that had the smallest box that would actually fit in the trunk of my car and go through that little, you know, pass through area when you put the seat back seats forward. And we kept going, I think this one is probably the shortest one. And we had, so we were doing all this stuff like with a cart and like up and, you know, like standing like up next measure? to it. And well, after we did all that, then Natalie says, oh, dad, there's a, a tape measure right there. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> but uh, then we used it and uh, confirmed uh, all of our very crude uh, measurements before. But um, so uh, bought her a really nice uh, Sonia Bravia 65 inch, uh, really much nicer than the TV that I had that I had been using, you know, as my background uh, uh, last year or the year before. Is it an OLED? No, it's not an OLED. It wasn't that nice. Um, Okay. Have you guys seen um, my super high-tech TV? Oh, yeah, that's nice. This one we got was a little bit bigger, a little bit flatter. four by three, very retro. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah. That one's kind of like a cockroach after the... After the it's never going to die. It's still going to be <laughs> working. Yeah. yeah. It's never going to die. Solid. Yeah. The VCR works too. So anyway, so she was happy. Um, we were able to fit it in the car and, and get it over to her apartment and get it all set up. And then I jetted off, not jetted, I drove off and up to uh, Roswell for a sing-in uh, at the Vigil Mass on Saturday, Sunday, did all my normal singing stuff. And then... Um, Monday through Wednesday, I was out on another trip, three day trip with, uh, Brent 
And uh, we flew up to Newark and we were supposed to go to Newark, back to Atlanta, then Newark layover. And I was going to meet up with Sam Dawson, one of the uh, APG community members that uh, has met up with Captain Nick over there in the UK. And oh, is he in the chat? Chat room? He was in the chat room earlier. All right. Hey, Sam. Uh, Sorry, it didn't work out. Well, anyway, we were getting ready to push back uh, for our flight back to Atlanta. And uh, the um, tug driver came on and said something about some kind of liquid in the nose wheel area. And we're going, huh? Doesn't sound right. So he goes, we're going to, luckily they have maintenance there. So they came out, took a look at it, you know, and we're kind of waiting to see what they were going to find. And uh, there was a a hydraulic leak on the uh, nose wheel uh, cylinder. And uh, so, oh, that's no good. So uh, we kind of sat around, waited for them to make some kind of a decision what they were going to do. And they were going to fly up apart from Atlanta on the flight that we were supposed to come back from Atlanta to Newark on, (laughs) which obviously... We didn't do because we were still in New York, Newark. And uh, so we ended up finally uh, deadheading to Atlanta, got into Atlanta uh, about four thirty, five o'clock or so, and had a domicile layover. And uh, we decided that uh, we'd ask if we could get a hotel in Atlanta uh, near the airport, which uh, we did. Is, and then, is, that a, is that a camel with two humps? Yes, a oh, domicile. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you use the word domicile, don't you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not, not often. <laughs> not often. Okay. About well, as often fair, as I use dromedary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, so it, this was great because we were trying to figure out where we were going to have barbecue on this trip. And uh, so, ah, we know places near the airport uh, that have barbecue. So uh, we ended up going to Brent's um, pickup truck and driving to the hotel in his truck, parked there, changed, and then drove over to the barbecue place, had some good barbecue. Uh, it was called um, Big um, uh, Pit Boss Barbecue on Virginia Avenue. And Did then anyone we, else think that for half a second, Jeff was going to say Brent just had a bunch of barbecue ready to go in his uh, That would have been impressive. Truck. That yeah, I, been. Was, I was just waiting for that. Yeah, yeah all wrapped in foil. I just uh-huh. had to heat it a up. A little, more. like, you know. His yeah. wife had brought it yeah. down. Like food truck box. Oh, that would be nice. Go. We'll have yeah. to talk about that, um, mm-hmm. see if we can upgrade his truck. Anyway, uh, then after that, we went back to the hotel, and uh, Monday night was the NCAA, uh, National Collegiate Athletics Association, I believe is what that stands for, um, championship game. In other words, the uh, college football championship. Uh, the University of Georgia Bulldogs were uh, in the game with uh, Texas Christian University, TCU, and they just walloped. TCU. It was like 65 to 7, the final score. Uh, but uh, we watched that at the hotel. And uh, next day, we were supposed to go in, you know, from Newark to Atlanta and then Omaha. But uh, all we had to do is just kind of sleep a little bit later and uh, go to the airport and fly one flight to Omaha and uh, had a nice long layover there. And uh, no barbecue and over the, there. And the no Tams kicked in. And then the no Tams kicked in the, the next morning. And But again, we, we pretty much were unscathed by the whole thing. And that was it. So it was a really easy trip. One leg per day, which is my kind of trip. And short, you know, not the 10-hour leg or whatever. Um, and that was it. Uh, so uh, this morning, I sang at a funeral at my church. wasn't mine. And um, here we are on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. I uh, go back out again on Sunday night, uh, which is kind of 
not normal for me, but it's one of those trips where you fly one leg somewhere and then you have all the the next day off. So it's like a 30 hour layover. And this is Bur- Burlington, Vermont, a very pretty place. Although I'm not sure I'm going to really get out and see much of it because it's supposed to be like the high cold. is like 21 <laughs> or something, yeah. which is like what? Uh, that's about minus six, I think, uh, Celsius. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and then of course that's the warm. That's the high, I think. Uh, so I, I would imagine we'll probably be staying inside the hotel uh, the entire time, hunkering, yeah, hunkering, hunkering down. Yeah, and then uh, the next day, anyway. So it's a it's a four day trip altogether. Get back on Wednesday. So that's it for me. All right, coffee All fun right. time. All right, let's talk about coffee and the coffee fund. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thing. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the job and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. I wish you guys could hear Liz. <laughs> oh, that sounds so nice. Um, coffee, coffee Fund is your way to support the show financially. And a couple of different ways to do that. Uh, the first, of course, is the Coffee Fund Classic Method. Mostly one-offs, every once in a while kind of contributions. We do have some recurrent, uh, recurring uh, contributors using the Classic Method. And we do thank you very much for your continued support. Uh, Ms. Karim, uh, who uses this one-off uh, quite often, about once a month. So thank you, Mazuts, for your uh, continuing generous donations. And we also have something called Patreon. You can become a patron of the show via Patreon. We have a new producer. His name, A.J. Schramm. Well, I say his. It yeah. could be a No, it could female. be. Yeah, we don't know. A.J. Schramm is a new producer. And uh, we do appreciate you signing up, sir. And if you're interested to find out more about the coffee fund, please head over to Airline Pilot Guy dot com slash coffee and join us you'll be glad you did and we will too captain incoming message all right let's start off our feedback with uh, this from matt he says my feedback corrections and updates hello again airline pilot guys and gals Uh, If you don't remember me, I'm a community member who recently gave a lengthy history about some old aviators I'm related to. I have some corrections, this time to my statements, not yours. As an aside, I've always been under the impression that 10% 10 truth is the requirement for flying tales, as one shouldn't let the truth get in the way of a good story. True. Uh, Then again, I was raised by a fighter jock, so if I were a smart man, I'd probably be questioning more of what I've been told. Yes, uh, we know uh, Captain Nick, and that's a that's that's good advice. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? Just because you know the fifty percent, you know, we shoot for the fifty percent guarantee. That's not just for the crew; that's for the the entire community. So you, yeah, we we there. hold everyone to the same standard. Exactly, fifty mm-hmm. percent. We booked our standard. standards. <laughs> Up yours. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so finally, after much prodding, my dad listened to a podcast. Lucky for me, it was the APG episode with my feedback about him and his dad 
and how he and my nephew are in training. Best yet was that he listened to it on Christmas, so it almost passed as a gift. <laughs> that is until you claimed that the uh, NTSB should ask him about the DC-10 he was flying after Al Haynes. He thought that was funny, actually. He doesn't remember if he flew that plane or that trip the day or several days before, but he does remember he was close enough to it that it made his hair stand a bit, and he was uh, first officer, not engineer. So the NTSB, best look elsewhere. Another note, that's nice, he's defending his dad. Uh, on another note, more on my end than yours is that the one two, 123 STS is a special tactics squadron with PJs, which are pararescue uh, soldiers, and CCT, combat control team support. So basically, he was a jumper dumper at the end of his ANG career, Air National Guard career. Oh, Ooh. a fellow jumper we like, dumper. We like jumper dumpers here. Yeah, we do. Uh, last, I'd like to add an update. Last week, I completed and passed my commercial singin, single single my commercial single engine land check ride. Yay! Yay well done. Congratulations. After 12 years away from flying, it took me about 13 months of study and flying to brush up and get the ticket. I'm just happy, uh, question mark, uh, that the winds aloft at 2,000 feet were plus 50 knots with surface gusts to wow. 28, since that gave yeah. me a knot or two and foot or two consideration on my performance. <laughs> uh, if anything, it made for pretty sporty eights on pylons. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, 157 knot ground speed may not sound like Sorry, much to you. You're going to have to explain that to me. What's an eight on a it's pylon? It's a performance uh, commercial no, maneuver. Uh, maneuver where basically you're drawing kind of this like figure eight around the ground and it's based on. Uh, I'm going to get all Two the wrong points on the ground. Two points on the pylons. ground. Temperature and speed and temperature and altitude and. You know what? what I'm not going to explain it right now because I'm going to get it 100% wrong because it's been many years since I've done eights on pylons and I'm not a CFI. Well, you probably yeah, get, oh, look at that. Low. Oh, Liz, come on. That's harsh. <laughs> hey, you know what? Hold on. Stand by. Uh oh. Oh, no. Now we're going to have Miami staff. Is this, uh, is this a practical <laughs> flying test? You have to fly a figure of eight over a pair yes. of pylons? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, they're, but they're really, but there are no pylons out there. There's well, no I guess actual, maybe. Well, yeah. I guess if you're like over, so if you're pylons, Red Bull, if pylons you're Reno, you there might be some pylons out there. They're pylons that you pick. Yeah. Of your choosing. You pick a pylon. A, a virtual pylon that you say, that's a pylon and that's a pylon. And then you do your, your eights. In my case, crazy eights. <laughs> you know what? I would have been thrilled if like the wind was super crazy or especially like gusty and a little bumpy um, because then it, you don't. You have an excuse for having crappy eight some pylons. Are you? Uh, I mean, are you allowed to just wing it, or do you have to work it out beforehand and fly? You have to be able to give like the formula timings. for the altitude that you're supposed to fly it at, and uh, yeah, I don't remember any of that. I did See, do a commercial I, single engine check ride though uh, near Jackson, Mississippi, good and though. I did th do those eights. That was right. You know, um, back in 2015, I knew this stuff, and I just yeah, I did mine in 1980. Into a big hole. 88 or something um, like that. But you know what? I've never yeah. once used in in my commercial flying say. career aids on pylons. What practical value to that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no it's just value. to show that you're – a lot of it's to do with how you handle the aircraft and your smoothness in handling the aircraft and understanding of the performance of the aircraft. Can you uh, It's not something that you're going turns? to – No. 
Steve turns on six G's. No. Boring. Okay. Um, where were we? I'm intrigued. Okay. Before you were so rudely interrupted me, Captain Nick. Uh, yep. If anything, it made for pretty sporty eights on pylons. 157 knot ground speed may not sound like much to you, but in a 172, hot damn. <laughs> Good job. Oh, okay. Well, now we're looking at something. I knew I, I've been cleaning out stuff oh, and I found my commercial pilot uh, practical test standards. So continue and I will. Um, okay. Unless okay. We'll yeah, have the real answer here. Yes. If, if Liz allows it. Uh, I wish I could invite you uh, all to the brewery. I act as uh, Oh, that'd be one of my pylons. The brewery. The brewery, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe a designate a couple inside the brewery and then yeah, start making yeah. eight figure eights inside. Um, <laughs> yeah. It gets easier the more you have to drink. Right. Um, it's just naturally you just walk you just like goes sl- more slowly, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sadly, I don't believe I'll be there when you're around, when you'd be around. Hopefully, I'll be flight instructing by the time any of you make it to the area anyhow since I still have 1,100 hours to fly before I can get a, quote, real job. Nonetheless, if you find yourselves in the Chicago area, please let me know. I do have a little sway in the brewery business around here. Yeah, you hearing that stuff? Well, I have a bit of sway when I'm in a brewery. um... (laughs) A lot of sway. Yes. Did you find the answer? Uh, I did, actually. Um, So I'm going to – so, Okay. This is going to be very brief, I promise, Liz. Uh, eights on pylons. Um, you the point. So a lot of it is you have to determine the approximate pivotal altitude. The formula of which is you square pivotal the ground speed altitude divide by fifteen if you use miles per hour or eleven point three if you prefer knots, and that provides your starting altitude. I don't remember. You have that to select suitable pylons that will permit straight and level flight between the pylons. Enter the maneuver at that altitude that you determined. Uh, and then bank angle of approximately 30 to 40 degrees at the steepest point. Apply corrections so light of sign reference remains on the pylon and divide your attention accurately for coordination of airplane control and outside visual references. Holds pylon, so turning around the pylon without uh, slipping or skidding. I'm just just confused about the altitude bit because I assumed it was just a a horizontal maneuver. That's all I did. So you just fly level. I guess determining the altitude is where you use all the mathematical formula, right? You're correct. Because well, you want to do it at altitude. pivotal altitude. Yeah, but I don't remember doing that part of it. I just kind of was out of the altitude, and I just started doing the <laughs> eights around a pylon. That's all I'm going to talk about about it, because that's all that's in the practical test standard. Wow. It doesn't talk about any of – it's not the theory part of it, just oh, the house. I was confused. And what's this dividing by 11 and a half? What 11. pilot can do that? 11.3. You, you can't do that in your head? I can't divide by <laughs> <It is. laughs> Are you allowed to use a calculator? I hope. Uh, yeah, you can okay. use a calculator. Wow. Uh, should I read this next part? <laughs> you can read the next part. That's okay. Uh, she's, he said he didn't know if uh, Dr. Steph wants to talk about it, where she's from in the air. But I currently live in Aurora, Illinois, and fly out of, of Delta Papa, Papa Alpha, DPA. DuPage. Uh, DuPage. Ah. Um, I thought it was some kind of a double IPA or something. Uh, Just wondering if the skating rink you spoke of recently is on Farnsworth. I grew up in Bloomingdale and played hockey at Carroll Stream Ice Rink and others growing up. Indeed, Carroll Stream Ice Rink. 
Wow. I know. Really? Small world. Yep, for sure. Awesome. I grew up also playing hockey and figure skating at the Carroll Stream Ice Rink. Nice. Bloomingdale's was a department store. It is. It's also a town. In one of those? (laughs) Of Chicago. No, Elf did. Yeah. No, that wasn't Bloomingdale's, was it? That was a... No, it was different the, it was department the, store. Was no, it, it wasn't Macy's store, either. Wasn't it the, you live in no, such a, a department confusing store. country. I just can't remember the name of it. I, I know that our live audience will be able to answer that question. Elf, the movie, the the uh, department store that he uh, was uh, living in for a short period of time. Wasn't Bloomingdale's, wasn't uh, Macy's, but we're going to find out soon. Anyway, thanks again to you all, Talons Douglas, and this is Matt Volker. Thank you, Matt. Sorry we made your yeah, feedback funny, stretch so long. It was long. great fun. Enjoyed that. But now everybody knows what eights on pylons Gimbals. are. Gimbals? Well, I saw Nick it, doesn't. but I still don't believe you. Yeah. Gimbals. Yeah, Nick still doesn't. Okay. Uh, Liz says it's Gimbals um, Department Store. Gimbals. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Thank you, man. Well, hang on a minute. Thank- a gyroscope has Gimbals. Yeah. How oh, can boy. a department store have Gimbals? Oh, God. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. What was I going to say? Oh, uh, congrats again, <laughs> Matt. I'm sorry, being distracted by Nika. Um. Anyway, th- congratulations on the uh, commercial check ride, and we uh, look forward to hearing more about your journey. And I hope, well, in a way, I kind of hope that you don't get a new job too soon because I'd love to uh, check out the brewery and. Uh, you know, Absolutely. We're going to hear plenty from him because he's got 1,100 hours to fly. Oh, okay. Uh, and then we go. And that'll be mean a lot of feedback. And he's in Chicagoland. Yes. Yeah, it's a nice place. They go. It's lovely, lovely dogs. flying weather this time of year. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's weird. So I have this window, the Evernote window, covering up the uh, StreamYard window. And uh, Nick C just did, like, was re- like, peeking around doing something there on on the side of his screen it looked like you were peering around my no the other way looked like you were peering around my window and thinking oh that's kind of <laughs> odd looking creepy how did he know that there was a window there <laughs> yes are you trying to get my attention uh okay uh let's move on to uh, some stuff. feedback uh from oh. sam oh, yes uh sam dawson the guy that i was supposed to meet up with in in newark and uh Apparently, uh, we could we should call him Miami Sam. <laughs> uh, you'll see why in a minute. Let me, uh, yeah, Liz already has the crickets up. Uh, let's see. I have to reload this video file because I've learned my lesson. And uh, mine worked fine. Video, I know, but that's what she said. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I had mine. I had mine up for a lo- while longer than yours. <laughs> well played. Thank you. You know, if it stays up for too long, you're supposed to go and see a doctor. Yeah. And then, yeah, four hours. I'm still saying. Good thing I would we have a doctor my, on staff. I would, I would call all my yeah, friends. That's right. <laughs> Brag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Four hours. Uh, all right. Um, greetings, APG crew. In episode 549, you discussed the MI17 crash in Russia and asked if anyone could clarify the possible cause of Vortex ring state. I started my aviation career as a U.S. Army helicopter pilot and even had the opportunity to fly the MI17 in the early 1990s after the fall of the Soviet Union. The reason I got to fly the MI17 
was a story in itself. Initially, I was given a choice assignment, command of an ATC air uh, air traffic control training unit. This was a non-flying assignment, and, and I was trying to find a way of getting out of it that did not involve leaving the military. Declining the assignment was an end to your career, and the previous two captains honored with this assignment chose to resign rather than take it. Oh, wow. Finally, a line was tossed to me uh, when a tasking came down asking for captains to volunteer for a UN assignment in Africa. I figured that while this was a non-flying assignment, it would, it would give me a six-month reprieve to find something else. Off I went to the Western Sahara Desert. It was an assignment not covered by any instruction I had as a cadet, my officer basic course, or my captain's course. My boss was a Russian lieutenant, a lieutenant colonel. My senior boss was a Chinese communist colonel. Wow. Wow. Uh, the mission commander was a British SAS brigadier general. We actually had an Argentine IA-58 Pucara pilot with the mission who was shot down during the Falkland Island War and captured by the SAS Brigadier's Unit. Oh, boy. (laughs) Small world. (laughs) Don't I know you? (laughs) You seem familiar. That's crazy. I wonder what their HR unit was like. (laughs) (laughs) They just threw their hands up and they're like, (laughs) sort it out. I don't know. My team site consisted of 15 officers from all over the world, including Russian officers aside from my team site boss who were Afghan war vets, cats and dogs sleeping together. Our air support was provided by Russian MI-17 helicopters. At one point, my boss asked me if I wanted to fly the MI-17. Of course, I responded that I would love the opportunity, but I added that I did not think the pilots would permit it. He laughed. Silly American. I am Russian Lieutenant Colonel. If I say you fly MI-17, you fly MI-17. So, <laughs> okay. So I got to know the <laughs> so I got to know the Russian pilots and get some stick time in the MI-17. I also learned one of my three politically incorrect lessons of the UN: don't drink with the Russians. <laughs> they, they drank vodka like it was water, and their idea of twelve hours bottle to throttle meant something different than it does in the West. I think they liked me flying with them as they knew at least one crew member would be sober. <laughs> oh God! The MI-17 is a good airframe, something between the UH-60 and the CH-47 in the U.S. It's, it is rugged, but the Russians did not put, put much into cockpit ergonomics or crew survivability. As an example, Though five-point harnesses have been standard in Western military aircraft for some time, the MI-17 only had lap belts for the pilots. <laughs> wow. The flight engineer sat on a folding bench jump seat between the pilots and lacked even a, seat, a lap belt. So in a crash sequence, he was going out the forward window. I think the Russians say, Sabda, their version of C'est la vie. Hmm. But I digress. Vortex ring state. Nerd alert. Nerd alert! All right. All that for the breath of little sound. <laughs> yeah, that was so uh, First, let's talk about the basics of heli- helicopter control, since many may not understand this. The cyclic, or stick, controls the tilt of the rot- rotor system. Uh, push the cyclic forward, the rotor system tilts forward, left, it tilts left, right, etc. The collective is on the left, controls the angle of incidence of the rotor system. Pull the collective up. The angle of incidence increases. 
pushed down and it decreases. In modern helicopters, the collective is also tied to the engines. So as you change the angle of incidence with collective, power from the engines changes as well. In older helicopters, you had to do this manually with a throttle on the collective. Yeah, like a little twist, uh, like a hand grip twist thing, like, or like a motorcycle um, um, throttle, I think. Um, let's see. Pedals on helicopters are anti-torque pedals, but function the same as pedals in the airplane as far as we're concerned. Push left, the nose goes left. Push right, nose goes right. There's more to it. Uh, and as with an airplane, doing something with one control involves doing something with the others. But I see Nick is nodding off already. So back to Vortex ring state. <laughs> Below yeah. in picture A. Okay, yeah, go ahead and I guess put that up, uh, Liz. Thanks. Uh, is the normal lift distribution of a helicopter at hover. Since the rotor tips have a greater velocity than the hub portion of the blade, more lift is normally created at the tips of the hub. Oh, no. Yeah, created at the tips than the hub. The rotor blades are normally twisted with the inner portion having a higher angle of incidence. That's a high, higher angle of attack than the tips. Something even out, uh, something, somewhat evening out the lift distribution. In some conditions, however, this means that portions of the inner blades may be exceeding their critical angle of attack, which we see in picture B. You can also see tip vortices in both pictures. As with any airfoil creating lift, you can't escape vortices. In some situations, normally a near vertical descent of about 500 feet per minute with some power, you can get into a situation illustrated by the bottom picture. A second vortice, vortices forms at the hub, increasing the angle of attack beyond the critical angle of attack, causing a stall region to form. If a pilot does not recognize that this is happening and only increases collective a little in an attempt to arrest the descent, this actually increases the strength of the vortices, increases the stall region of the rotor system, and increases the rate of descent. The descent can increase rapidly, so when a pilot in a vortex ring state overcomes the startle factor, then realizes what's happening and what to do, it's often too late. When I started flying helicopters, that the recovery for a vortex ring state was to lower the collective while applying forward cyclic to fly out of it. The problem with this recovery is that it required a bit of altitude, something which you often did not have once the pilot recognized that was happening. Recently, a Swiss helicopter instructor by the name of Vouchard came up with a different and much more effective recovery method named, for some reason, the Vouchard recovery. This recovery involves left or right cyclic, depending on the direction of the rotor system turn, affecting a sidestep while raising collective. This gets you out of the vortices with minimal altitude loss. If you advance the attached video to the 220 point, there's an outstanding visual demonstration of both Vortex ring state and the Vouchard recovery method. Some pretty swirly vortices forming on this helicopter that's in a slight descent. Now everything is really starting to increase and we're starting to see the oh. rotor hub in the middle and then the thing is really decreased. So I guess they're doing the maneuver right now yeah. uh, to That was kind of a side recover. step. Yeah, you did a nice size tip. It kind of broke the symmetry of that cycle of air, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cool with the uh, just having that visual. So if you're just listening, you know, we're watching this helicopter doing what was just described with that 500 foot per minute descent, but they're, um, they've got kind of a spray applicator system, um, which gives a visual representation of what the vortices are doing. Um, Very the neat. Blades. Yes, that's yeah, the it's cool. And it's stunning scenery apart from anything else. 
I guess some slow motion replays going on here. But this is why you you never want to be a helicopter pilot. (laughs) Way too many moving parts. (laughs) Yeah, one of the many reasons why you shouldn't be a helicopter pilot. How about a Russian helicopter pilot? Yeah. Well, they they don't go that fast to be Russian, do they? Ah, I get it. Here's some uh, some footage of the actual wow. uh, controls of somebody, the pilot. I reckon um, he's just stirring the pot. Um, well, do you think you stick that picture of the? Uh, that, it was very impressive. Uh, this, of the three states, A, B, and C, up again. Uh, I, I'm looking at the direction of the arrows, uh, uh, and when when the rotor appears to be stalled the arrows are pointing upwards which is the direction the lift goes so i'm just a wee bit confused about that because the lift appears to be acting downwards yeah and, the way they've drawn uh, no it is lift with... appears to be acting upwards in opposition of the rate of descent so i'm gonna poo poo your pictures well, i don't think that's lift, think about though, how a helicopter the... works no i can't which direction I... are you <laughs> Which direction are you trying to move? I can't go I there. Anyone can. It, they make it all up. It's it's all unicorns and fairy dust. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, <laughs> really? That you yeah, got lift going upwards? It's not lift. So the lift is it's actually what's coming. It's, it's if you imagine, more... If you imagine that the arrows are the direction That's the force is being you. applied, right? Yes. So like... Yeah, the well, rotor. We, we don't represent uh, forces like that. <laughs> forces go in the direction yeah. they're acting. Right. No, I agree. But that, where does it explain to you how the picture works? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I the helicopter of, wouldn't I have something. I intuitively understand upward. what he's trying to get at, yes. but I'm just going. You, you need to point the red arrows downwards and the green arrows upwards, and then I'll be happy. You could do it that way too. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. Art department, maybe right. get on that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, very good. The people that Apart are at from this that, har- very good. The people at the, in this impressed. apartment complex are probably. What is that new guy yelling? Yelling at? about? Yeah, what a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, what a weirdo. Yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty cool. Uh, let me continue with uh, Sam's. Um, uh, what do they call that um, when you get that. a doctorate? Uh, um, dissertation. Dissertation. There we go. Master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, now I did not say at any point settling with power, which is also mentioned in the article as a cause, and it may, is made to sound synonymous with a vortex ring state. The FAA considers them to be the same, but throughout the rest of the world, there is a difference. Settling with power is when the helicopter has too much mass, too little altitude, and thus too little time to stop a descent. This would be similar to an airplane landing, but not having enough reverse thrust to stop forward mo- movement. In settling with power, the descent rate slows, but the aircraft continues to descend. The big difference here is that in vortex ring state, the rate of descent increases, while in settling with power, the descent slows but does not stop. I'm not sure which one was a factor in this accident. We were talking about that uh, in the previous show, the MI-17 accident. Um, And uh, let's see. I guess show that that second pretty picture there, Liz, in the... uh, in the slides. Isn't that pretty? Oh, there you go. Does that make That's you happy? saying. Unicorns <laughs> and fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Let's see. If they've, you, got, they've got great big arrows coming out the top of the shaft. <laughs> out of the yeah, but if you go back of, and watch the actual video, it's just... And the, then the, all the other ones the going way. around in circles. No wonder it doesn't Neil work. Neil Lamborn thinks Steph is going to get a Vortex <laughs> ring. I thought the Vortex ring was what you got after a really hot curry. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. It's also a Vortex ring. Okay, so Sam, finally, if you use this, now would be the appropriate time to wake up Nick. <laughs> I've been wide awake. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he didn't fall asleep because uh, you were talking about helicopters. He's been wide awake. <laughs> I know. Yes, yeah, sadly. Yeah. Uh, I hope this was not too and boring. Belligerent. <laughs> <laughs> I have not flown helicopters much since retiring from the military in 2006. So another listener Very will probably find fault with my description and or have a better way of explaining yeah, it. Or Captain Nick will man. do that for you. <laughs> Given up with helicopters. Good chap. Yeah. That was a great video, though. I really liked seeing how I, yeah. I, it, oh, yeah. it's always very instructive for me to see things visually. Mm -hmm. uh, look, you know. I love the way they picked a really dark, shadowy piece of the mountain and then mm -hmm. uh, made sure they were in the sunlight when they put mm. the water out yep. of the sprays. So you got that fantastic contrast. Very good photography. And great right. dramatic music to go along with it. Yes, yeah. yes. Good. good dum, dum, dum. Okay. Well, thank you, Sam, for that. Uh, obviously, you put a lot of work into that uh, feedback and giving us all those nice links and pictures and such. Yeah, so. I, I like it. I didn't like your pictures much, but the rest of <laughs> okay. it was great. <laughs> I'm sure they're his pictures. <laughs> I think he did draw he them. And drew them. Himself. Yeah. Did he? Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. look, look at his representation of a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, better than I could do. It's a, it's a. Yeah, wiener. look at that. That's a great helicopter. No, no, that, that, that he, looks like he, a Christmas card. That to me. He didn't do that one. He did the one that looks like a hot dog. Hmm. All right, let's I think move it's on. so funny that Nick just gets so bitter, <laughs> so bitter just because it's a helicopter thing. I mean, it's I don't like to be fair, helicopters, helicopters aren't the only thing that he's bitter about. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. true. He's kind of bitter that he's actually on the show tonight. In I think. fact, if it's a Boeing helicopter, <laughs> Is he going to bed soon? then that's particularly well, awful. I think he needs to go to bed soon. I think we've awakened the old, the old curmudgeon. <laughs> it's been a long time since we really had the old curmudgeon. We missed that guy yeah. around yeah. with us. Liz, we got one more thing. Nick's only going to be able to last for five more minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. Do we have more helicopter and or uh, Boeing stories? Sadly, we don't have any more <laughs> helicopter stuff, but I'm sure there'll be something that will be <laughs> unsavory. Number five. Um, number five, Sam. Um, double go. Another Sam. Another Sam. Another Sam. Sam. Sam Bolog. Yeah. I just arrived at Burbank to pick up my 84-year-old neighbor. She called to tell me that they were diverted to Ontario because of visibility issues. While they were sitting at a gate, uh, I could hear the captain explaining that every other airplane was able to land, but after two go-arounds, they decided to head on to Ontario. He did a very good job in explaining, and I could not hear any moaning in the background from the passengers. Moaning. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, well, every other airplane got in. I don't know why they had to do two go-arounds, and they couldn't. Mm. No, he didn't say it that way, obviously. I told her that it was cool that they did two go-arounds, and she said, not for me. She's probably going to smack me on the head when she sees me. I'll let you know if she does tomorrow if I'm able to join the live taping. Is Sam with us on no, the live? No, I think this was okay. in a while ago. She must have really smacked him in the head pretty hard then. Hmm. Sorry, Sam. Um, oh, you know what? Since we're talking about go-arounds, uh, why don't we skip down to number yeah, nine? Yeah, number nine, yep. yep. And uh, <laughs> this is some feedback from Bill. 
And he said, Max Trescott, uh, his outstanding podcast, Aviation News Talk podcast, talks with Ken Dravis, which we have, you know, who have we, we have mentioned many times on this show, as the composer and singer, performer of the song, You Can Always Go Around, mm-hmm. on uh, this episode of his podcast. And then he gave us a link to the show notes. Aviation News Talk podcast, which will be in the show notes. We're not going to play it. Uh, you can do that. And if you are already not subscribed to Max's absolutely great aviation podcast, you should. So uh, you can hear the story with uh, the go-around song mm-hmm. from uh, Yeah, Ken I very Dreams. much enjoyed listening to that. And the fact that Ken uh, worked with uh, John Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I was brilliant. I haven't listened to the entire podcast, Nick. Uh, did he mention that uh, aviation podcaster that contacted him many years ago to get permission to use his song? Or yeah, he said he's still song? looking for him. Oh, no. uh, with a, <laughs> with a uh, you know one of those you know bits of paper in his hand. Right. That, Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, I, I know what that you is. To come to court. Yeah. I've been, uh-huh. I've been, uh, was served before. Subpoena, that's the <laughs> yes. one. Yes. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. Number I'm sorry. I actually, asked. I was not aware of this episode, so I need to go and, and listen to it. Yeah, everybody kind does. Of all over the place on my podcast yeah. listening. It's mm-hmm. going to be uh, right there in the show notes for all of you uh, listening to the show right now. Check it out and uh, subscribe. Uh, we'll six. continue. Oh. Yes, ma'am. Six. Six, yeah. All right. Uh, from Sim Captain Stone, uh, question about not serious emergencies. Hi, APG crew. Happy New Year. Happy Easter. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Pick the one that applies. In the past few months, I read about uh, news about babies born during flight. One airplane went to an alternate, then continued the flight. My question is. Uh, what are your feeling about these kind of not so serious in-flight emergencies when they happen to you? Do you regard them as annoyances or something that spices up the boring workdays? I ask because I'm an IT guy and I usually enjoy problems to be solved since they give uh, challenges and I have a good feeling after it uh, that it was worth to wake up in the morning and I saved the world again. Uh, do you have the same feeling after these kind of problems or would you rather not have them? Keep the blue side down. Huh? Yeah, wait a minute. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, cheers. Sim Captain Stone. Okay. Anybody want to chime in with uh, how? what's your feeling about these not so serious in-flight emergencies? Are they annoyances? I am, uh, I am generally, so we'll just take work days in general. So whether that's flying or my other day job, um, I prefer things to run quite smoothly. I don't, you know, it's inevitable that occasionally things will not go smoothly. So you need to be prepared for those things. But I think I prefer the days where everything's kind of status quo. I like boring and routine. I do too. Sorry, that's I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Sign me up for boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. So as, as someone who has actually like been involved in this scenario, uh, not in an airplane, but in command of a car, when my wife gave birth to a child in the car, mm. not, not not really something not cool. I'd sign up for again. <laughs> not <laughs> no. spicy. <laughs> yeah, that does not yeah. sound yeah. like fun. Don't like those. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's important to be able to deal with those things when they arise, but I, I mm-hmm. definitely prefer the days where it's 
status quo and routine and everything comes along smoothly. Right. I, I'm, you know, sign me up with a group of people that, uh, I would rather, you know, just avoid these kind of problems and, uh, you know, move on with my life. How about you, Captain Nick? Are you the one that seeks out these kind of serious or not so serious in flight emergencies? Uh, you're muted, sir. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, certainly not. They're usually just an annoyance and uh, a lot of additional work, uh, paperwork, etc. Um, so, you know, you turn what is a, a nice, pleasant, and conventional flight into something that then requires, a, you know, ha- hassle and just extra time. Um, if you get a major emergency, uh, fine, that's usually fairly cut and dried. And uh, what's more, your flight will usually terminate wherever you park the aeroplane. Certainly uh, for a good night's rest. If you're on a long-haul flight and um, you get hassles uh, through minor problems, whether they be with the passengers or the um, aircraft, uh, you can guarantee that you're going to be able to take you a lot longer to get into the hotel and uh, get some well-deserved rest. Uh, you may have to extend your duty day to the absolute limits, Um and, you know, you'll just feel frustrated often and a bit annoyed that uh, things didn't go smoothly. You're continually explaining to the passengers reasons for delay and for unusual procedures, etc. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're not often very patient if it's not a major thing. Major things, usually the passengers are absolutely fine. They just appreciate your efforts. The minor things, they just think, uh, they're a hassle for them to deal with because it's upsetting their travel plans usually um, uh, interesting you mention uh, have, giving birth not that I've done that uh, on board uh, during a flight and I haven't actually had anyone give birth on my flights but um, uh, I was just trying to remind myself what nationality a baby born on board an aircraft uh, is I'm not certain whether it's the country you're flying over or the nationality of the airline you're flying with. I feel like we've had this conversation before and yeah, I, I don't I remember the remember. answer or was it the, the nationality of the mother? I, I'm not actually mm-hmm. certain if there's a legal expert and I, I, I have a feeling it varies depending on the country um, of the airspace that you're in, the, or the, the origin of the airline. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, don't know. by the by, uh, I yes, remember having the discussion, well but I don't think we problems. ever came up to uh, with a definitive answer. We might yeah, have, but I feel yeah. like it was many, many, many episodes ago, and yeah. I don't remember. Definitely uh, don't want diversions, because usually then you're uh, stuck somewhere waiting for weather to pick up or clear at your uh, intended uh, base you're extending your due today to the absolute maximum so you stand a chance of refueling and, and taking off once that weather is Im- improved and it just makes the day hugely long and very frustrating um so uh, you know diversions you can kiss that off as far as i'm concerned so uh liz did you say yes, something about having an answer birthright citizenship for children born on a plane oh, hang on hang on we're gonna bring you in oh, okay here i come Okay, so according to Google, uh, it's birthright citizenship for children born on a plane and sh- or ship. If a child is born on a plane or ship registered in the USA or Canada, the child would acquire birthright citizenship. The child may acquire American or Canadian ch- citizenship. 
Most countries in the world have abolished or introduced a restriction on the right of soil. Oh, it goes on and on here. So it sounds like you can opt for either the citizenship of the mother or the citizenship of the pla- where the plane's registered. Whichever one's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, um, we have a, a definite limit um, when expectant mothers are allowed to fly, the number of weeks they've been pregnant. Uh, and uh, they require a doctor's note if they're getting close to that limit, confirming the due date. Uh, and um, you're not allowed to fly within a certain number of weeks of that due date. And uh, there is a particular country which we, where we used to pick up a lot of pregnant ladies who presented their doctor's letters, and they looked hugely pregnant and frequently gave birth on board. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what country? Yeah, uh, we suspect... Nigeria? Is, yeah. I, I wasn't going to say that. I was not going to say that. Well, we're just guessing. We're just throwing <laughs> things out. Just speculating. <laughs> and the, yeah. We, yeah, we speculated it was so that their child had a, a, a different nationality from the one that they might have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the final thing on this is there is no universal rule for how a country determines the citizenship of a newborn. They're, they're, they're different rules and yeah. countries different choose countries. what they want. So, so do your research. You guys are very generous. You, you hand about left, right, and center. I'm very impressed. There you go. Well, Lame. that's the Sometimes. kind of people we are. <laughs> you know, have you thought of building a wall on these airplanes? <laughs> on the airplane? There are. They're called bulkheads. <laughs> <laughs> If you're uh, aft of the bulkhead, you do not get birth rates. In yes, Sorry. you have to be forward of the okay. bulkhead. Fair enough. That's uh, obviously elitist uh, and well, discriminatory. Just move on, right? yeah. Anyway, before the lawyers get in touch here. Thank you, Sam Cap- Captain Stone, for your question. Uh, Steve says, uh, and I'm going to read this very slowly. I agree with you, Jeff. All right, let's move on. To the Jeff next. is right. Uh, oh wait. <laughs> Uh, I do not want to listen to someone on the phone on a commercial flight. I don't know anyone who wants to eliminate the last place you can be in quiet isolation during a work day or on vacation. Everyone I've ever spoken to loves the fact that when we're flying, they are reachable by phone. <laughs> Apparently, there's somebody they on the crew that disagrees with this. Um, in the days no, before, just, just with that one, just with that one thing, the last place there've been phones on tele uh, on aircraft since the bloody seventies. Uh, yeah, you know, no you one could afford to use. Yeah, nobody plugged into exactly. The nobody used them. Wall and like ten dollars a minute or something. <laughs> yeah, so and it's you have to get your credit new. card. Sorry, and it was like some minimum on, charge, yeah. and you know. Yeah. Okay. In the days before cell phones, driving was a quiet time, but today only flying gives us that peace. So many of us have clients or employers who expect us to be available twenty four seven, and flying has been our one escape where it's understood we are unreachable. I do not want that quiet time taken away. If someone needs to communicate from planes at the moment, they can pay for Wi-Fi and send texts and emails. Hopefully the airline I fly with, who recently removed all the seatback video displays to save a few dollars, will also see this technology as too expensive to install in their planes. I, for one, will still put on my headphones and put the phone on airplane mode. Thanks for continuing to produce such great shows. And this is from Steve Sanacore. Or Sanicor, I'm not sure. Um, 
Well, I, I don't think Steve's making a bad point. I think if he wants to switch off, put his feet up mm. and ignore his boss while he's uh, flying around the world, when he could, in fact, be working and taking calls and, you know, being a productive uh, member of the team, uh, I, I quite... <laughs> I detect zero sarcasm in Captain Nick's. Sorry, Steve. Uh, 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 if you want a quiet time on an airplane to drink a glass of wine, have a nice meal, and uh, kick back in business class, I think you deserve it. You do. And thank you for your feedback. And this is going to be it, folks. Uh, this feedback, uh, number 10, from Vernon. Uh, let's see. Getting home slash. Southwest debacle. And he sent us some audio feedback. He said, the final saga, getting home. Sorry, no jazz in the background. Hope the new year is good for you or good to you. Fly safe, Vernon. Greetings, Captain Jeff and crew. It's Vernon Tryon from Fort Morgan, Colorado. I last sent you a feedback on your birthday when I was marooned in San Diego, and I hope nobody had a lot of sympathy for me being marooned in San Diego. thought I'd give you the follow-up on our getting back to Colorado. Um, in review, Southwest, as they were falling apart, canceled our Sunday night or Christmas night flight. That was rescheduled for Tuesday, uh, which... Fortunately, they canceled that one well over four, 24 hours before that flight, so we had some time to make some hotel reservations and so on. And then uh, finally was able to book a United uh, flight from San Diego to Denver on Wednesday night after Christmas. And that was an interesting flight. It was in the 737 MAX, and uh, we arrived in Denver in a blizzard. The captain was great with the PAs. You could hear them. You could understand what he was talking about. And we knew it was going to snow in Denver, but I think more happened to that storm than really anybody knew. And as we were approaching Denver, he said uh, that we were going to have to enter a holding pattern because the runway braking action was poor and they couldn't land under that situation. We were in, so I was following this on uh, Flight Tracker, and I will, in another uh, email, text you the screenshots I took of this whole scenario because it was quite interesting. Went around the holding pattern once, and he said, all right, braking action is fair. We can land on that, and on we go. And that holding pattern was so smooth the entries uh, that I could once in a while feel yeah we're turning but didn't have a sense of it and of course it was after dark and there was no outside visual reference made an approach to the north on one of the east runways and looking out the window and occasionally I could see some lights and usually not and then suddenly a power increase and a pitch up and I sang your song, oh, you can always go around, that's what we're doing. And then he made the PA and said the uh, braking action was poor on that runway, another runway had been de-iced, and we would go around to that other runway, and he said, don't worry, we have plenty of fuel, uh, it'll take about 15 minutes to do this. He broke around to the east and then lined up with one to again landing to the north on one of the west runways. 
and came in and just made the one of the best landings we'd been in on an airliner. And that braking, when he hit the reverses and the brake, to me, that was good braking. Although once we left the runway, it was like two miles an hour, probably five, and the taxi to the gate, taking it very, very slowly. And I'll send you a picture or two of what it looked like out the window. I took a screenshot of the weather at that point. It was 11 o'clock that Wednesday night. And uh, it was 300 and a half. So uh, I got to experience, I think, probably my first go-around as being a passenger in an airliner. And the whole flight was uh, executed by the book good PAs and I really appreciated as my wife did she's bragged about that pilot uh, uh, keeping us informed of what we were doing and doing it so clearly so we made it back to Colorado that Wednesday night after Christmas found a hotel near the airport about midnight because we just weren't going to go anywhere in that blizzard and then uh, got home the next day so that, that's the, oh, and then uh, Southwest has, uh, as you've, as you know, said that they would, would reimburse people for their hotels and flights, and I submitted that bill to them last uh, weekend, so we'll see if they pay up. Everybody that was involved in flight delays during that period of time got 25,000 award miles, which uh, both my wife and I have uh, received and booked. So um, we'll just see if they follow through, and I assume they will. I imagine they'll take a while to get any refunds, but I think, uh, you know, they're doing the right thing for what they had to deal with. So that's the uh, kind of the end of that saga, and I thought I'd give you an update. This is Vernon Tryon. Uh, what am I? Let's see. Former CFI, retired air traffic controller. No, it's usually the other way around. And if I can figure out how to shut this off, that's uh, the end of my input. Bye now. Good luck with that. Okay. I feel like he hasn't shut it off yet. No, he's, he's still, still going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. As you said, you know, it can always go around, especially when conditions aren't. When breaking action is poor. Yeah, poor, that's no good. Mm-hmm. That's just barely better than nil. Nil. <laughs> Can always go around again. Refer to the uh, Max Trescott uh, Aviation Talk News Talk podcast for uh, Ken Dravis and uh, how he came up with this uh, absolutely amazing song. You can always go around. Um, I have to apologize. We uh, Liz and I did not notice until. Um, we were listening to Vernon's audio feedback that uh, he had sent us another email with all those other images. So we're going to have that in the show notes. So because you, because I was looking through, I was like, "There's no picture of." Yeah, the, we sent it to our feedback, and uh, um, which means that hopefully that you should be receiving that as well, uh, Steph, and everybody else in the crew. Uh, if you send it to our feedback address, That's I'm still trying to email. work out this uh, <laughs> this email. Debacle. I don't um, think it's in feedback, but, but anyway, I think oh, it's not feedback. I think he sent it to you directly. I think. Oh, maybe he sent it to me directly. Anyway. Okay, uh, let me no check. big deal. Well, no, I'm looking at the feedback. Uh, fee- feedback. The feedback. <laughs> um, yeah, feedback at airline pilot beer. guy. 
Well, it's not in it's not in Evernote though. That's what I'm. Oh, well, I don't know why I didn't make it there. But uh, anyway, never mind. Should have gotten everybody Uh, yesterday. He sent it six twenty three p.m. So thank you, uh, Vernon, for that uh, audio feedback. Always appreciate uh, you taking the time to do that. I'm glad that uh, it was a happy ending and that you got back on your United uh, flight. It's a, a miracle that you didn't, uh, you know, crash and die um, on that <laughs> yeah. 737 MAX. Um, but, you know, as you said, Southwest, um, you know, they're they're a great airline, and I'm sure they'll follow through with the promises made to reimburse you know, reasonable costs for people. And, uh, you know, that's all I think I, I heard in the news that the, um, this whole thing that they went through, what, about a week or two ago, yeah, yeah. uh, was going to cost them like ago, yeah. 800 and something million, wow. you know, getting close to almost a billion. billion dollars, which pretty much wipes out their entire, uh, profit, I think from 2022. Um, but, uh, yeah, live and learn. Sounds like they're doing the right thing. So yeah, but the way you earn that business back is to make it right. Yeah, it's the way. It's not what happens, but how you react to it, right? Okay, let's talk. When he said they touched down, and he thought the braking action was good, and the thrust reverses came on until they left the runway, I thought he was going to say like they left the runway against <laughs> the will of the pilots. <laughs> well, you know what? It's definitely a possibility. <laughs> And, you know, and I was going to, yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Nick C, uh, because there are, you know, the way they prepare runways and clear them of ice and snow and contaminants. And, you know, so you have a nice, safe, reasonably, uh, you know, friction filled, you know, spot to stop your airplane. Um, They don't necessarily do that same kind of a treatment to taxiways. In fact, they hardly ever do. Yeah. So, and there have been so many incidents, and I'm sure we've talked about several of them on this show, mm-hmm. where people go and they're and they're turning off the runway, and as soon as they hit that taxiway, they, they just go sliding off and into the grass or whatever. And um, it, it's uh, every time I'm operating in that that kind of environment, I always I'm very, it, it, which is very unusual for me to taxi extremely. Slowly and deliberately, when it's these kind of slippery conditions, I really take my time, leave both engines running so that you have the ability to use reverse and, you know, play tractor if you have to, you know, with your reversers uh, to keep the airplane going the right way. And It's a good thing Vernon wasn't on a Southwest flight because they're fast taxiers. But I bet even Southwest uh, slows it down in those conditions. Uh, I am sure. Yeah, because they they operate into... uh, Places like O'Hare and mid most Midway. Midway. I mean, that's yeah, it gets pretty snowy, icy uh, in the wintertime yeah. up there. And it's hard enough finding the taxiways because all of they got all those sticks <laughs> yeah. going up because all the taxiway lights are hidden by snow. Mm-hmm. Got some sticks up which might reflect off your uh, taxi lights. It's really hard to know what's going on. All the all the signs you normally see identifying taxiways they're all covered in snow, so you haven't a clue. Clue where you are. It's like I don't know where we are, <laughs> where we're going. Uh, just yep. hope for the best. But you know, one one of the nice things in uh, our modern world is the uh, electronic moving flight map. bags and the moving map, and you can look at that taxi diagram and really, you know, within a you know within a couple meters, uh, know exactly where your airplane is and. It's such an enhancement to safety uh, compared to... Oh, you youngsters with all your mod cons. <laughs> I know. I yeah, we youngsters. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, right. 
anyway, um, yeah, that's going to do it. I think uh, we're going to wrap this thing up by pointing you all over to our website, airlinepilotguy.com. Uh, that's a lot. You see, Nick C is pointing for you, so you don't have to. Um, and uh, let me see. I'm actually going to uh, pull up the website so I can tell you exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at uh, podcasts, uh, APG on YouTube, which we're doing right now um, while we're recording the show live. APG crew, a little information about us, and uh, Plain Tales, also a great place to go to learn more about uh, more in-depth information about the uh, plain tales that the old pilot does for us uh, library. If you're into reading books, uh, mostly aviation related, the APG library and our librarian, uh, Tiffany uh, manages that for us. Thank you, Tiffany. And uh, up there in Buffalo, speaking of uh, winter weather and snow, oh my gosh, I hope that she's still alive. Has anybody heard from her recently? Yeah, yes, uh, alive. Okay, good. We, we heard from her after, I think, the most, most recent melted. Oh, good, good. Or good. during it, at least. Yeah. Um, information about the coffee fund, the APG store, uh, ways to contact us, and of course the calendar for the APG community. So check it out, airlinepilotguide.com. And uh, we're also on social media. And Steph, thank you yeah. for being back because you do this so so who did, well. <laughs> who did social media duties while I was gone? I'm yeah. curious. Did you just skip over yeah. them all most, together? Most, like, mostly Meh. Captain Nick, but he does a pretty good job. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's a fair stand-in. I bet he did great. So, hey, the social yeah. medias. Uh, that would be places like um, that's the oh, sorry, um, wrong one. Email yeah, address one. feedback at airlinepilotguide.com. Well, social media feedback I, oh, address. I, I you can head over to <laughs> you can head to feedback.com. You can head there. That's this not a by thing. Now. You don't need those little. I'm a little cheats. out of practice. I'm a little rusty. I don't know, but it is like riding a bicycle. We'll get right back on that yeah, horse yeah. here. So um, we'll mix all the metaphors. Uh, you can head to Facebook. It's facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. Also Twitter. We are at APG crew with individual Twitter handles pinned to the top of that page and um, APG crew on Instagram. There's pictures and Nick's artwork and probably hasn't been updated in about five years, but um, no updated daily. Daily, daily. I'm on there lots. Oh, okay. Nick is Nick is making it not neglected. Well, at least weekly with the artwork. Perfect. So nice. if you're missing out on seeing the artwork, that's where you can find it. And um, you know, if you really want to chat with some folks who are into the community and want to do more in-depth things, that would be Slack. Is where you'd like to look. That would be Slack. And uh, let's see if Hillel is uh, with us. Oh yeah, I hear the, the rain or the I hear shower. the shower. Um, it's a shower. Hello, Slack. Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay. You know, we we're, we're used to it. Come on over here. Tell us about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Well, thank you very much, Hillel, for telling us all about Slack. Yeah, you got to 
they're my towels. I they were them. new at the apartment, the, the new place? Or yeah, no? I bought some new towels. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you know Excellent. how I, I have this design kind of thing and mm-hmm. decorating and it's my thing. Over you, I'd buy some more. <laughs> I will. Yeah. A separate set. I, Keep I'll, them I'll hidden. i some new ones. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, but we do appreciate Hillel's management of uh, the Slack team. And uh, finally, we'd also like to thank our producer, Liz. Come on in. Yay. Liz, come on. Thank there you, Liz. Go. Thank you so much for all the hard work. Welcome. And while we're doing the show, uh, she is very active in commentary uh, while we're doing the show. And, and singing. Uh, and singing and all of that stuff, but mostly all the work that she does in preparation for the show is just amazing. So thank you very much, Liz. You're welcome. And uh, until next time, wishing you all clear skies and limited visibility and tailwinds. Talons, Douglas. Cheers, y'all. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye. Good day. I used to be such a good, good pilot. Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline not a guy I fly I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly